Al-Bayan Radio presents the following program asking Allah that it serves as a benefit for all. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa hlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Welcome my brothers and sisters to the first of our two-day workshop as you just heard. The first day inshallah will be conducted by myself regarding the fiqh of zakat and the second day which is tomorrow inshallah ta'ala Sunday the same time and on that I apologize yani for that short delay which will be 9 a.m. to 12 inshallah with Sheikh Muhammad regarding the fiqh of Ramadan. Uh, inshallah ta'ala today we're going to be getting straight into it uh, but I just wanted to make a little mention and a disclaimer a side point which is that as you can imagine you can't take the fiqh of much yani uh, in such a short period of time a couple of hours so inshallah ta'ala what we're going to be doing is we're going to try to just touch that that you know surface inshallah regarding the fiqh of zakat and really I encourage everyone especially those who haven't studied the fiqh of zakat properly before to go and study it there's a lot of matters yani that pertain to this fiqh that are very important for us to understand and really we utilize or could utilize in our day-to-day lives and we don't want to fall into subhanallah a major major sin by not fulfilling and completing this great pillar the way it should be fulfilled and completed as for the zakat the zakat is one of the greatest obligations in islam one of the great pillars as we know the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said one of the pillars of the pillars of islam as we're going to see shortly inshallah ta'ala so it's important you know when allah azza wa jal mentions for example the obligation of worshiping him alone staying away from associating partners with him what does he usually pair that with to show the importance good treatment to the parents good treatment to the parents now why did he pair good treatment to the parents with the obligation of worshiping him alone to show the importance of good treatment to the parents and likewise when it comes to the topic of zakat which is mentioned approximately 32 33 times in the quran many times he pairs it with what the prayer as-salah and we all know the difference of opinion regarding the salah and how many of the ulama were on the view and opinion that the one that leaves it actually becomes a disbeliever and an apostate. For to show you how important the zakat is in Islam, look at what it's paired with. And it's enough that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it's enough that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he told us that it is a pillar of the pillars of Islam. And likewise, when it comes to salat and zakat, we see that many times in the Qur'an that was mentioned in the context or paired with the topic of and the concept of belief, Iman. For example, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَآتَوُوا الزَّكَاةِ Those who believe and they establish the prayers and they fulfill and give and establish the, the zakat. Regarding the concept of wealth in Islam, it's important that we don't have a or an understanding that wealth is limited to gold and silver and that wealth is limited to our paper currency of the dollars and the dinars and the dirhams and the likes rather wealth in reality and it could be said in a very simple way that it's anything that holds value for for example if you had a bunch of sheep that sheep in reality for you is wealth if you have crops that crops in reality is you is wealth for you Likewise, anything that we have of value, such as our laptops, our computers, our mobile phones, even our clothing in reality and the likes, that is all classified as wealth. It possesses and it holds some value. Now, I'm not saying that that necessarily means that you have to pay zakat on everything that I said. 
Of course not, as we're going to say very shortly, inshaAllah ta'ala. But the point is that I'm trying to get across here is wealth is not limited to that gold and silver and that which takes its place of the paper currency in our day and age. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, He told us our natural love for wealth. And He told us before that, of course, that He created us يعني, for a purpose and a reason. And that purpose and reason is, of course, to worship Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ And I did not create the jinn kind, nor the mankind, except to worship me. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows our needs, He's our creator. And from that is placing wealth in our lives, the ability to acquire it, to spend it. And really the believer, he acquires of course his wealth in a halal way. And he uses his wealth in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Islam has taught us not to hoard and not to be greedy regarding that wealth. Not to chase that wealth in a way that we're going to be deceived with this wealth and dunya. And we're going to be neglectful of the akhirah. For indeed, as you all know, brothers, the Prophet wasallam he told us that we are going to be questioned about the wealth, how we acquired it, how we acquired it, and what we did with it, meaning how we spent it, where we put it, etc. The Prophet wasallam he says, لا تزول قدم عبد يوم القيامة حتى يسأل عن عمره فيما أفناه وعن علمه فيما فعل أو عن علمه فيما فعل فيه وعن ماله من أين اكتسبه وفيما أنفقه وعن جسمه فيما أبلاه. That the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he says, man's feet will not move on the day of resurrection until he is asked about his life. How did he consume it? How did he spend it? His knowledge, what did he do with it? And that's an important reminder for every single da'i, every single student of knowledge, every single brother who has some sort of knowledge. What are you doing with that knowledge? And the Prophet ﷺ says, Convey from me even if it's a verse. And all of us, I'm sure, are able to convey and teach and preach something of Islam. Something of Islam. For you learn a matter, you study it, you understand it properly, and you go out there and you teach and you preach and you spread and you share. And the Prophet wasallam, as we all know, he said, whoever amongst you sees an evil, man ra'a minkum munkaran Whoever amongst you sees an evil, and who here, brothers, in reality, does not see evil, whether that be amongst our family members, whether that be amongst our community, wherever you go, Wallahi, as we know, right in front of our very own eyes, there's a lot of evil being committed. For we all fall into this. Man, whoever, whomsoever. And man is a general word which includes everybody in reality. Whoever sees an evil amongst you, whoever amongst you sees an evil, then he must change it with his hand. And if he's not able to, then with his tongue. And if he's not able to, then with his heart, and that is the weakest of faith. For this knowledge, the Prophet ﷺ, he told us that on the day of resurrection, the two feet of the son of Adam, the man will not move until he's asked about these matters. We said one of them is the knowledge, what he did with it, and also his wealth, how he earned it, and how he disposed and spent it. 
And likewise, his body and how did he wear it out? Did you wear your body out going to haram places, taking illicit substances and damaging your body? Or did you spend your body in the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal, training your body to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the likes? When we look at the concept of wealth in Islam, wallahi, there's a lot to say in reality. There's a lot to say. Like just on the definition of what wealth is in Islam, we could have spent the whole first session. But as I said, the point here is just to take foundational matters regarding zakat. And as Sheikh Muhammad said last week to the brothers, يعني, what can we give in this short period of time, especially considering the breaks and the likes? But unfortunately, there are many in our communities that have absolutely, brothers, absolutely no clue regarding this topic. Wallahi, it is so important to really teach ourselves, study these matters, and also spread awareness in the communities about these matters. For when we look at wealth in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, once again we look at wealth as it comes in like a lowly way, except for that which is spent in the way of Allah and in the obedience of Allah Azza wa Jal. And as I said earlier, Allah Azza wa Jal, He told us this natural love of man for wealth. And the Prophet ﷺ told us this, he says, لَوْ أَنَّ لِبْنِ آدَمَ وَادِيًا مِنْ ذَهَبْ أَحَبَّ أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُ وَادِيًا That if the son of Adam had a valley of gold, he would like to have two valleys. He would have loved to have two. And you think about it now, brothers. Imagine someone told you, if you had a million dollars, you would want another million. And if you had another million, you would want another million. And if you had another million, you would want another million. For someone who say, طيب, isn't one million enough? Isn't two million enough? Isn't three million enough? Isn't four million enough? But when is it going to be enough? When for the one that chases the dunya, when is it really going to be enough? A million dollars and you're not content. Another million, you're not content. For that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he told us what will make him suffice. He says, وَلَنْ يَمْلَأَ فَاهُ إِلَّا التُّرَابِ Nothing will fill his mouth except the dust. Meaning, or one of the meanings that one can understand from this, is if you don't pretty much restrict yourself with the teachings of the Qur'an and Sunnah, learn to be content with that which Allah Azza wa Jal gave you, be obedient to Allah Azza wa Jal in respect to all of these matters, then in reality, you're never going to be sufficed. You're never going to look at it as if it is enough. And that's why you see many of those outside, some of the Muslims, unfortunately some, but generally speaking, outside of Islam, you see so many. All they do is chase the dunya. All they do is chase wealth. All they do is chase fame, fortune, and it's never enough. Not just with the actual physical wealth, even when it comes to the popularity, the fame. They'll say, I need to leave off a legacy. So they get a follower. A thousand followers, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million. And they will continue and continue to grow and grow and grow in a way that is in disobedience to Allah Azza wa Jal. Under this false imagination fairy tale that what? That I need to get more and more and more. But in reality, nothing is going to suffice them until they enter that grave. Then they will realize that what was I doing? What was I doing? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. or moving on, I'm going to be missing a bit insha'Allah ta'ala, but I just wanted to mention the end of this hadith, even though it is a lengthy hadith. 
Well, I'll mention from the start. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as Amr ibn al-A'as radiyallahu anhuma narrated. He says, he sent for me and he ordered me to put on my armor and weapons, then go to him. So I did so and came to him whilst he was performing wudu'. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam raised his eyes to me and then he lowered. And he said, O Amr, I intend to send you at the head of an army and Allah will reward you with spoils. Spoils meaning the spoils of war, the war booty. He says, I will give you an appropriate proportion or portion of the property. So Amr said, I did not embrace Islam in hopes of earning spoils, but rather I submitted in hopes of Islam and to be with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. For now, brothers, as we know, it is allowed to encourage, it is allowed to encourage others by putting or reminding them of a certain gift they may receive or something. Like what we do with the children. You finish jazamma, I'll take you out to here or there. You finish jazamma, I'll give you this or that, for example. Not making it solely for that reason, of course, but to act as an encouragement. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ at times would remind them of the war booty. So he says that I did not embrace Islam, meaning this companion, for war booty and spoils. But look at the way the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was thinking. So he says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Amr, O Amr, Ni'mal malu salih lil mar'i salih. Ni'mal mal as salih lil mar'i salih. He says how excellent, how good is lawful, halal wealth, good wealth for a righteous or good man. You think about it brothers. How is a good man and a righteous man going to spend the wealth? Is it not in the way of Allah Azza wa Jal? And for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And that's why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam even said so beautifully, if Allah has given you wealth, let the traces of his blessings and generosity be seen upon you. If Allah has blessed you with wealth, don't go and dress like a peasant for example. Some of the ulama, they said rather from the sunnah is to show or dress in a way that those who are poor can know that you are not so that they can come to you and you can give them. And you can give them. But if you're addressing like that out of arrogance and pride, of course, that's a whole other topic. But how good, as the Prophet ﷺ said, how good is lawful wealth? How excellent is it? For a righteous man, imagine you had a million dollars and you were righteous. What are you going to do with that million dollars? Are you not going to give at least a decent amount in sadaqah, in charity, or at least give your zakat from that? And how many others will benefit from that? How many others will benefit from that? So really how excellent is wealth for a righteous individual? And how many examples, brothers, from amongst the companions were there of that. Look at Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, known, known for freeing so many slaves. And how could he have done that without the assistance of the wealth by the word of Allah Azza wa Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu and many other wealthy companions where they put their wealth, they put their wealth forward for the sake of Allah Azza wa And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam even told us that there is no permissible jealousy, ghipta, there is no permissible jealousy, except in two cases. 
And one of those two cases is a man who Allah has given wealth. But this permissible jealousy, of course, does not mean you go and you start to have that, those malicious and ill intentions towards your brother who Allah blessed and intending that you wish Allah can take that away from him. That's not what's intended here. But rather you look up to that and you wish that Allah had blessed you like that so you can give likewise. And inshallah you will be rewarded with that intention. With that intention. So one of those ways that he says, or those categories of the two, he says, a man who Allah has given wealth, and through or with that wealth, wealth he disposed of it in a proper manner. Imagine that, brothers, once again. You have a million, you go and you give the orphans, you go and you give the widows, you go and you help the brothers in jails and their families, you go and you help the poor and the needy. Allahu Akbar, what great rewards. And how many ahadith have came motivating the person, encouraging the person, reminding the ummah of the virtues that take care of the poor and needy, take care of the widows, take care of the, those incarcerated, take care of, for example, the soldiers and the warriors and their families. So many. So wealth is required for these things. So as we know, Wealth naturally, brothers, is loved by man. But we're tested with that wealth. And from the greatest of tests is how we acquire it. And then when we have it, what we do with it. How we acquire it. And then when we have it, what we do with it. As Allah Azza wa Jal, He says regarding the love of wealth. He says, And you love wealth, a vicious love. An aggressive, a violent love. And indeed he is loving al-khayr, which the ulama, many of them said is wealth, a great loving, a, a vicious and violent love. And that's the reality of many. And as I mentioned last night at the Merciful Group fundraiser, and Allah Azza wa Jal also told us the natural fear of poverty. How some, they fear poverty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, so not only do we have the concept of loving wealth, but we have the concept of fearing poverty. To the extent Allah told us of what it leads some to do. Where he says, And do not kill your children out of fear of poverty. We will provide for you and for them. What's the other verse? Very similar. And do not kill your children out of fear of poverty. But this time Allah flipped it. Allah flipped how he said, we will provide for you and for them. Now he says, And there's a reason for that. We will provide for them and for you. The first one was, we will provide for you and for them. This one is, we will provide for them and for you. From the meanings of these two, is that you who are poor, do not kill your children out of fear of further poverty and not being able to support them. We will enrich you from them or through them and we will support them. Just like the one that is rich, don't kill your children out of fear of getting poor, becoming poor. We will enrich you and them and we will enrich them and you and support you and them. And support them and you. 
and provide for you and them and provide for them and you. Wallah, brothers, it's such an important, important concept in our day and age for so many that do not have children and will stop themselves from having children because of those bad assumptions, believing that I can't provide. We're living in tough times. The prices are going up. All of these in reality are bad assumptions of Allah Azza wa Jal. That's the reality of the matter. Because who said you are providing in the first place? Wallahi brothers, if we had four, five, six kids right after each other, let's say the oldest kid was five or six. The oldest kid was five or six. Or wallahi, if you had triplets or quadruplets, and they don't even hit the age of one, do you think you're providing in reality? Allah is the provider. And one of the greatest proofs of that as well, logically, is if you were to pass away, are they not going to, by the will of Allah Azza wa Jal, still live and grow and the likes? For don't make it out like you are the provider. Inna Allaha huwa razzaq. Indeed, Allah, He is the all provider. But taking everything I just said into consideration, now to go into the actual topic of zakat. And the reason I wanted to mention what I mentioned is because when we see all of these things, we see why some actually withhold the zakat. Why some actually withhold the zakat and they do not extract it and fulfill it and complete it and pay it. So the meaning of zakat, my brothers, the meaning of zakat in the Arabic language, linguistically, means growth, blessing and purification. This is what the meaning of zakat is. You know, like when we say, for example, tazkiyatun nafs and the likes, it has a similar yani, uh, root pretty much. For it means what? Growth. It means blessing. It means purification. That's in the Arabic language. As for technically, legislatively, in the sharia, I put forth three definitions which were taken from the ulama. And many of what I'm saying today, understand brothers, is not me, wallah, coming from my own mind and writing. This is taken most of it from the ulama. Some of it word from word, fatawa and things like this, as we'll see. He says, or he said technically, zakat means worshipping Allah by giving that which he has enjoined of different kinds of zakat to those who are entitled to them according to the guidelines prescribed in the sharia. And there's going to be a shorter definition, inshallah, which is why I just mentioned that one, just for the brothers who would like to write. There's inshallah a shorter definition. I'll repeat that one though. Zakat means worshipping Allah. Don't forget brothers, zakat is from, we said, the pillars of Islam. It's from the greatest acts of worship. This financial worship is from the greatest acts of worship. It means worshipping Allah by giving that which He has enjoined of different kinds of zakat to those who are entitled to them according to the guidelines prescribed in the sharia. The next definition in Islamic context, once again technically or legislatively, it refers to a duty imposed on specific wealth, meaning that you don't just pay zakat on every type of wealth that you own. Like for example, this laptop now, is this not wealth Islamically? Am I not allowed to, does it not hold or possess some value? Of course. If I want to go and sell this on the market, am I not going to receive something? Of course. But does that mean I have to automatically pay on this? The answer is no. But that's what it means by imposed on specific wealth. There are specific things in the sharia that we have to pay on. 
And there are some things that we don't have to pay on. So in Islam, it refers to a duty imposed on specific wealth that exceeds a certain threshold. Does it mean that any type or any wealth now, just because it is from the type of wealth or the types of wealth that we have to pay on, that automatically you have to pay? No. So for example, brothers, do we not know that we have to pay zakat on gold and silver? Yes. But what about if that gold and silver was such a minute amount? Then the answer here generally is no. Let's just say that's all you had. Or all you had is $50 cash. That's all you had literally for the whole year. Somehow that's all you had. Does that mean you pay on zakat now? The answer is no. You pay zakat on that? No. So even though yes, it is specific types of wealth, but it has to exceed a certain threshold, a certain limit. And it's also bound by time. So does that mean now once again, let's just say I'm bankrupt. I have zero dollars for example. I do a job today or tomorrow. I earn a hundred dollars for that job. I earn a hundred dollars. Is there zakat on this? Not yet. That's all I have. Let's say I do a job the next day. Now a thousand dollars. So do I have to pay zakat on a thousand? Let us say ten thousand tomorrow I did a job. And I earned ten thousand Australian dollars. Do I have to pay zakat on this? Not yet. See, this is what it means bound by time. That yes, wealth of course in this aspect, the cash and the likes, that's one of the things that we must pay zakat on. But on top of the threshold, it's also bound by time as we're going to see very shortly inshallah. So it's not just automatically you have that and straight away you have to pay zakat on it. There's a set time, set time that we have to discuss after that time has passed, if that threshold, that limit has been met and is above that the whole time and has not went under that, then after that set period of time, which is one lunar year, one lunar year, that's when we end up paying the zakat, as we're going to say inshallah very shortly. And he says, and it's payable to specific groups. So it is a duty imposed on specific wealth you don't just pay on anything and everything, that exceeds a certain threshold, even if it's something that I do have to pay on, it's got to be have reached the limit or the threshold, bound by time, and is payable to specific groups. I can't just go and give zakat to anyone. You can't go and give zakat just to anyone or anywhere. Rather, it has to be given in certain places. One other definition is the act of worship by Allah by specifying a compulsory portion of a sum of money that meets certain characteristics for a specific type of beneficiaries. So pretty much taking everything into consideration, brothers, as you can see, zakat is what? It's an act of worship that has to do with certain types of wealth. Certain types of wealth, meaning we don't just pay, as I said, on anything and everything. That has met a certain threshold, bound by a certain time, the one lunar year, and given to certain people. And given to certain people. So Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu told us, Bunya al-Islamu ala khams. Islam has been built on five, yani five pillars, five foundations, whatever you'd like to say. And one of those, as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us is, Giving the zakat. Giving the, the zakat. 
And also in the hadith of Jibril, when Jibril asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what is Islam? What did he say? One of the things he says, Al-Islam an tashhada an la ilaha illallah, that you bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. And then one of the things is, wa tu'ti zakah. And that you give the zakat. You fulfill the zakat. And brothers, you know how we said the connection. You know how we said linguistically what does zakat we said mean? Growth, blessing, purity or purification. Now what is the link between the linguistic definition and the Islamic definition? That you my brother, when you extract that zakat and pay that zakat, you are doing what to your wealth? You are purifying your wealth. By the will of Allah, Allah is blessing your wealth. You are growing your wealth by the will of Allah Azza wa Jal. And that is why some brothers, they have the mentality that, Wallah, if I give zakat or I give sadaqah, I'm going to see my bank account go from 1,000 to 900. So it's going, what? it's going down. But they don't think about the bigger picture. That the real growth in reality is the growth of blessing, of purity. And that's why I mentioned as well yesterday, subhanAllah, someone could have, my brothers, a big amount of money. 5, 10, 15, 20, 50, 100 grand. And wallahi, he might do half of that brother or what that brother does that had half of what he has. Because of the barakah that Allah placed in that wealth. Any a thousand dollars that you have, that Allah has blessed, could amount and you could do with that what someone would do with $10,000. Because your money is blessed. It's purified. It's growing bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. So understand that, yani, Allah Azza wa Jal, when you pay your zakat and you give your sadaqah, Allah Azza wa Jal is protecting, inshaAllah, or will protect your wealth and guard your wealth and purify your wealth and grow your wealth and bless your wealth. That's why Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, خُذْ مِنْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ صَدَقَةً تُطَهِرُهُمْ وَتُزَكِّهِمْ بِهَا Take from their wealth a charity. A charity. And the word sadaqah here means the zakat. As we're going to see shortly, inshaAllah. Take from their wealth a charity so that you may purify and sanctify them thereby and invoke Allah for them. So as I said, you giving that zakat, my brothers, in reality, wallahi, it's only coming back for you and of course benefiting others too. But you are really benefiting yourself through that. Also now, to just move on to another point, what is the difference or some differences between zakat and sadaqah? This is important now. Zakat and sadaqah. And I know for many of the brothers, because I know many of them here personally and you guys have spoken to me personally, I know many haven't taken the fiqh of zakat. And generally speaking, as I said, a lot of our community do have shortcomings in this field. So I've tried to make these topics and this workshop as basic and simplified as possible. Brother Zakat, alhamdulillah, it is simple, wallahi. There are some matters, yes, when it comes to Zakat, that someone might perceive to be complex or contemporary matters. How do we pay Zakat on shares? How do we pay Zakat, for example, on crypto and currencies like this and things like that? So I've left out, I've left out, all of these more rarer occasions, yani, if you'd like to say. And that's why we've left out as well the way to do zakat when it comes to cattle, when it comes to animals and the likes that you possess, for example. When it comes to crops, 
and fruits and cereals and stuff like this. Yani. I've left that out to focus more so on the actual wealth, which is the gold and silver and that which takes its place. So now let us see what the ulama, and this is a straight yani, uh, copy-paste of the differences between zakat and sadaqah. But more importantly is we want to understand what the ulama are saying. So the difference between zakat and sadaqah. Sadaqah comes from the word sidq, they said, sincerity, honesty. I.e., it is a sign of sincerity of faith on the part of the person who gives it. Yani you, when you give your <coughs> zakat, that insha'Allah ta'ala is a sign of the sincerity. Sadaqah means worshipping Allah. Sadaqah now. Worshipping Allah by giving money without that being made obligatory in the sharia. Is that understood brothers? Sadaqah, when it comes zakat and sadaqah together, generally speaking, zakat, is that not obliged upon us? Don't we have to fulfill our zakat? Of course. But sadaqah now, do we have to give sadaqah? Meaning, are we obliged now, for example, to go and give $50 to the widows and the orphans? No. Is that obligatory? No. So sadaqah means worshipping Allah by giving money without that being made obligatory in the sharia. The word sadaqah is sometimes, this is important brothers, please understand this. The word sadaqah is sometimes used in the sharia to refer to the zakat. And not just sometimes, often, a lot of the times. In the sharia, in the Quran and the sunnah, you'll see that the word sadaqah is used to mean zakat. So if we understand this, we'll understand a very important difference to begin brothers. And that is, one is obligatory. If you don't do it, you're eligible for sin unless you have an Islamic reason. And when you do it with the sincere intention and the correct way, you'll get rewarded insha'Allah ta'ala. And the other one being the sadaqah, if you do it sincerely, you get rewarded. And if you don't do it, you're not going to get sinned. One is obligatory and one is optional. So as we said, I just wanted to give the example of how in the sharia sometimes the word sadaqah comes to mean zakat. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he sent Mu'ad to Yemen as Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma said when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent Mu'ad radiyallahu anhu to Yemen he said that I am sending you to a people of the book. So let them know or call them to testify that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah and that I am the messenger of Allah. And this is important brothers to teach us what priorities in the religion. To teach us priorities in the religion. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said, فَإِنْهُمْ أَطَاعُوكَ لِذَلِكَ If they obey you in this, if they listen to you in this, فَإِنْهُمْ أَطَاعُوكَ لِذَلِكَ فَأَعْلِمْهُمْ Then inform them, teach them that Allah has enjoined upon them five prayers in the day and the night. And if they obey you in this, فَأَعْلِمْهُمْ فَإِنْهُمْ أَطَاعُوكَ لِذَلِكَ فَأَعْلِمْهُمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ افْتَرَضَ عَلَيْهِمْ صَدَقَةً صَدَقَةً فِي أَمْوَالِهِمْ If they obey you in that, meaning the shahada, and then the prayer, then inform them that Allah has enjoined upon them zakat from their wealth. And it is to be taken, تُؤْخَذُ مِنْ أَغْنِيَائِهِمْ وَتُرَدُّ عَلَى فُقَرَائِهِمْ It is to be taken from their wealthy and given to 
their poor. What brothers? Taken from their wealthy and given to their poor. Which is why many of the ulama, they said, that zakat should be, and it is best to be taken from the people, and given to the poor of the same people. So for example, in Australia, taken from the rich of Australia, and given to the poor in Australia, or of Australia, unless there is a legitimate need to send it to somewhere else. Unless there is a legitimate need to send it to somewhere else. Some of the differences also include, zakat is prescribed on certain things. Certain things like what brothers we said, gold and silver or that which takes its place of cash and currencies. Gold and silver or that which takes its place of cash and currencies. Also on crops, grains, cereals, fruits, zakat is to be paid on all of these things if they can be measured and stored. Crops, grains, fruits, cereals, if they can be measured or stored, they are to be paid on. Likewise, dates and raisins, wheat and barley, for example, these things are to be paid on. Likewise, the cattle or the livestock, the cattle or the livestock, which includes the camels, for example, the cows, which also include the buffaloes, the sheep and the goats, these are to be paid on. And likewise, the tradable commodities, trade goods, these are also to be paid on. If you have a business, for example, let's say you have a business of buying and selling. So let's just say you sell something specific, something like shirts, something like this. You have your products that you sell. This is called trade stock. So when you buy and you sell, it's very important that this trade stock, yani, this trade stock is paid on. Which is just the stock that we know. And that's why I said, when it comes to things like now my laptop, right? You think about it, brothers, now. Does that fall under gold and silver or actual paper currency that takes the place? It does not. Does it fall under, for example, the dates, raisins, something that can be measured or stored, yani, like the dates, fruits, um, cereals and stuff like this? Crops and grains? No, it doesn't either. Does it fall under cattle or livestock? No, it does not. So what is it now? Is this a trade stock? Am I selling this? Is this like business related? No. What is it for? Personal use. It's for personal use. So do I pay on my laptop? No. But what about if I opened the business, buying and selling laptops, and this was not my laptop for personal use, but was my laptop that or a laptop that I had on the side waiting to be sold and things like this, then here it becomes a trade stock. Here it becomes a trade stock. If I have a pet cockatoo, do I pay on that pet cockatoo? Unless I have it in a way that it is the trade commodities, different story. But generally speaking, no. When it comes to the cars, do I pay on a car? Huh? Imagine now there's a car, one lunar, one, one lunar year passes, the car's worth 20 grand. Do I pay on the car? Very good, alhamdulillah. Have you studied zakat before or you haven't? So you're understanding from what we're saying? Alhamdulillah. That shows, yani, inshallah, I'm being clear. Uh, that's going to be another topic, inshallah. But the point is now, I, I answered Zubair like that, so there was no, there was no misunderstandings, right? So now, now, 
picture it like this for the trade stock, right? You got to look at it like that now. So I have a car. Is that car for personal use? Is that car because I have a car yard that I'm buying and selling cars and things like this? This is where it gets very important, brothers, in the topic of zakat, right? But generally speaking, we know that which has to be paid on and that which does not, yani, inshallah ta'ala, um, uh, yani, it's pretty clear when it comes to these things. So anyway, we're still where, brothers, the differences between zakat and sadaqah. Zakat, the point is of this point, I probably went off a bit too much, yani, but the point is that, inshallah, it's understandable. Zakat, sadaqah. Zakat is on certain things, pretty much. Certain categories of wealth. Sadaqah is not limited to that. Sadaqah is not limited to these things and only these things and that's it. Rather, you can give a shirt in sadaqah, you can do whatever you like when it comes to these things that we already know. And likewise, it's more general as well. Because it does, it's not just about things which have potential growth, potential growth, but rather smiling in the face of your brother is a sadaqah, helping your brother with something is a sadaqah. So it's even more general when it comes to this or these kind of things. So, on a side note, salam alaikum. On a side note, we said those are some of the things that zakat is on. Any like funds, trade commodities for the purpose, obviously, of making profit, agricultural produce, yani crops and fruits, and what we mentioned, livestock, animals raised for commercial purposes, which we said, which is the livestock, like camels, sheep, goats, cattle, buffaloes, etc. So, it's not on assets intended for ownership and use. It's not on assets intended for ownership and use. Like your house, for example, that you're living in. Like cars that you're using. Like clothing that you're wearing. And likewise, it's not paid on assets intended for lease. Imagine now, brothers, you buy a land. And you build a house on that land. But you intend to live on that land. Here, zakat is not paid on that. Likewise, if you intend... To lease that land, you want to rent it out. You don't pay on the land itself now, but you end up paying on the actual income from that, that rent and the likes. Yes, Akhi? Uh, you don't pay there. You don't pay there. Unless you're using it once again, it's on the side for like the buying and selling and the likes. It's not used. Another example, which is what you're pretty much maybe can mention, is if you have a business, and in that business you have a, a forklift. Do you pay on that forklift? You don't pay on that forklift. You don't pay on that. But if you one day intended now to sell these forklifts that you have as buying and selling and the likes, that's a different story now. That's a different story. As for the questions, Yani, I know there would be a few, inshallah, by the end especially. So we'll leave it, inshallah, to the end because we just need to see how we're going to be going on on our time. So that's that, inshallah. Assets intended for ownership and use, such as houses that you're living in, uh, cars that you're utilizing, clothing and the likes, uh, then you do not pay on these. Likewise, assets intended for lease, you don't pay on them necessarily, but you pay on their rent revenues. You pay on their rent revenues. If it reaches the nisab, of course, 
whether that's on its own or added. I don't want to go off too much, Yanni, regarding certain fine masail, because like I said, this is something to be studied in a more classroom environment, fiqh setting and the likes, which I'm sure all of us, all of you, I, I know most of you personally, Yanni, are in lessons, alhamdulillah, and things like this. Our animals other than livestock, unless they're taken as trade as well. Animals other than the livestock that we spoke about are not paid on, unless they're used as trade items, because then they become trade commodities, such as if you have a pet cat. If you have a pet cat, for example, do you pay on the pet cat? No. Okay, and I don't want to go off about trade commodities for cats and dogs because then we're going to get into the topics about the rulings of buying and selling cats and dogs, which we don't want to do right now. The second thing, brothers, is zakat has the conditions which we spoke about. From them, of course, and the most important is the nisab and the hawl. The nisab being the threshold and the hawl being one complete hijri year. So it's got to be a complete lunar year, yani pretty much, right? And it is a specific portion of wealth, which is the 2.5% which we know. Whereas sadaqah can be given at any time and with no limit, small or large. Does it have to be 2.5%? No. If I have $1,000 and I want to give 1% of that $1,000 in sadaqah, am I going to be prohibited to do that? No, I'm allowed to do that if I want to, if I want to do that. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she said, I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, there is no zakat on wealth until one year has passed. There is no zakat on wealth until one year has passed. And obviously that's the lunar year once again. Number three, zakat is enjoined to be given to certain people or types of people where a sadaqah does not have that restriction or condition. Does not have that Restriction or condition. <laughs> Bismillah. So zakat is enjoined to be given to certain people or types of people. Whereas sadaqah does not have that restriction. What do we mean? What do we mean? You can go downstairs if, if it's not open. If it's not. So what do we mean, Yani brothers? Can I, can I now give sadaqah to build a hospital for the Muslims? Yes. But can I give zakat? That's going to be a, a topic at the end, inshallah. Can I give, for example, yani, my father zakat? Generally speaking, the answer is no. Generally speaking, the answer is no. What about, for example, my father spending on me zakat? Generally speaking, I'm his dependent. Yani. The answer is no. Can I give sadaqah to them? Yes. And this is from the best of sadaqat as well. So the point is, one of the differences between zakat and sadaqah is zakat is enjoined to be given to certain beneficiaries and sadaqah is not. It doesn't have that restriction. Number four, zakat has to be extracted from the deceased's wealth which is left if they have not paid. So for example now brothers, if there is a dead person and they owed zakat, they owed zakat, that zakat is to be taken out from the wealth and is given precedence. That and the debts that he had and the, the even cost of the burial, that is to be done before the actual will, the wasiyah, and before the inheritance. So now for example, because why? That zakat would be almost like a type of debt pretty much. Pretty much it becomes like a type of debt. It's owed now. So before they go and distribute the inheritance... Before they go and distribute the inheritance, 
they should pay off that zakat with his wealth first. Zakat. As for sadaqah, of course, there's no need for that because it wasn't obligatory upon him in the first place. Number five is the one that leaves off zakat has to be punished. Not has to be punished, sorry, is eligible for punishment. And some of the scholars, they even questioned his Islam. That's a big point. Some of the scholars even questioned his Islam. As opposed to sadaqah, because one of them is a pillar of the deen, and one of them is not. Number six is like what we said, it has to be given to some people, but in a different way now. That the impermissibility of giving zakat to the ascendants and descendants. You are not allowed to give zakat to the ascendants, meaning like the mother and father, the grandmother, the grandfather. And you are not allowed to give it to the descendants, the son and the daughter and the descendants after that. Are you stretching or that's a question? Okay, stretching. Okay, as opposed to charity, charity you are allowed to, generally speaking. Number seven is it is not permissible to give zakat to one who is rich. Yes, there might be an exception or two, as we're going to see shortly, inshallah. But one is not to be given zakat if he is rich. But as for sadaqah, then that is different. Then that is different. So one who is rich and able or able to earn a living, he should not be given, of course, from the zakat. Ubaidullah ibn Adi radiallahu anhu said, Two men told me that they came to the Prophet during the farewell pilgrimage when he was distributing the zakat and asked him for some of it. He looked them up and down. Imagine that, brothers. He looked them up and down, two men, and asked him for some of it. They, that's what they, sorry, they asked. So he looked them up and down and saw that they were strong and able. They were strong and able-bodied. He said, if you wish, I'll give you some. But those who are rich or strong and able to earn have no share of it. And he's pretty much telling them that if you believe you're eligible and the likes, yani, well, zakat is for those who are eligible. But the one that is rich, the one that is able to learn, the able to earn, the one that is strong, then he has no share of the zakat. Number eight is the default regarding the zakat is that it's taken from the people's rich and given to the people's poor. And some of the scholars even said that it's not permissible to send it except with a reason. No, no, one's all right. Yeah, one's all right. So zakat, zakat is to be taken from the people's rich and given to their poor. As for sadaqah, يعني, it's allowed ni and fa. It's allowed ni and fa. Give it here, give it there, give it wherever you believe it is going to be beneficial. But as for zakat, the asl is that it's taken from their rich and given to their poor. And number nine, zakat is not to be given to kafar and mushrikeen as opposed to a possible sadaqah. And there is an exception and inshallah we'll have a 10 minute break and then we'll continue after inshallah ta'ala that 10 minutes with that point before moving on to the next uh, point inshallah ta'ala. والله أعلى وأعلم وصلي اللهم وسلم وبارك على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وله. You are listening to Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl Sunna wal Jama'a. بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وله. So we were just answering in that little break some of the questions of the brothers regarding zakat, which there is definitely a few. Uh, one of the questions that came up was paying sadaqah without the intention of zakat. 
And as we know, we said zakat is an act of worship. So we'll try to get some of the questions off now. Zakat is an act of worship, brothers. So if you give sadaqah, for example, today, and your zakat is due next week. But let us say you gave sadaqah. Now we know the difference between zakat and sadaqah, correct, inshallah. We just mentioned approximately nine or ten differences. For if I go and I give, for example, $500 to my cousin overseas with the intention of a general sadaqah, just a general donation, and let us say next week my zakat is due. And then I say, oh, that's actually a lot that I owe for zakat. You know what? I'll count that 500 as zakat. You can't do that because you need the intention. It's an act of worship. Indeed, all actions are by intention. So here you do not count that 500 that you gave, that you gave in sadaqah. You can't add that to your zakat. I hope that's clear because what happens today in our day and ages often actually is that you'll get someone throughout the year having give, given in charity. Say, oh, wallah, I gave a hundred to the widows, I gave a hundred to the orphans, I gave a thousand to my family overseas, they're in need, they're poor, I gave a thousand here and there. So then they come to their zakat date, they come to their zakat date, and they say, you know what, I owe a lot of money actually. This is a lot of money. So what I'm going to do is let me just calculate throughout the year exactly how much sadaqah I gave, and I'll take that away from the zakat. You can't do that. Because zakat, once again, is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. So you need the intention. Just in regards to the questions, sisters can send questions to the ASWJ college number 0461-533-676. 0461-533-676. So that was one of the main questions which I feel needed to be addressed and inshallah ta'ala, that might come a bit later on as well in a bit more detail. We said that, we said, when it comes to the topic about the differences between zakat and sadaqah, generally speaking, we said, it is not allowed to be zakat, you are not allowed to give zakat to a kafir or a mushrik as opposed to sadaqah. But there is an exception or two in this, and from that exception is those whose hearts are inclined to Islam. Ibn Qudama rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, We do not know of any difference of opinion amongst the scholars regarding the fact that zakat cannot be given to a kafir. He says, We do not know any difference of opinion amongst the scholars regarding the fact that zakat cannot be given to a kafir. Ibn al-Mundir said, Everyone from whom we acquired knowledge amongst the scholars is agreed that a dhimmi, yani pretty much a non-Muslim living under the Muslim rule, a dhimmi cannot be given anything from the zakat. Because the Prophet said to Mu'adh, teach them that they are obliged to give zakat, to be taken from their rich and given to their poor. He specified that it was to be given to their poor, meaning the poor Muslims, meaning the poor Muslims, he says, just as he specified that it was to be taken from their rich. From their rich, meaning the rich Muslims, the rich Muslims and given to their poor, meaning the poor Muslims. Ibn Qudama rahimahullah ta'ala, he also says, the kafir should not be given anything of the zakat unless he is one of those who are inclined towards Islam. Unless he is one of those who are inclined towards Islam. Ibn Baz rahimahullah ta'ala was asked, is it correct to give zakat to a dhimmi? Once again, a dhimmi being a non-Muslim pretty much, living under the Muslim rule. He replied, 
according to the majority of scholars, zakat cannot be given to a dhimmi or any other kafir. This is the correct view, he says. And there are many verses and ahadith which speak of this. Zakat is a means of help given by the Muslims to their poor and to take care of their needs. So it must be distributed amongst their own poor and others amongst the eight categories mentioned in the verse. Unless there are kafar, unless there are kafar who it is hoped will become Muslim. And then he mentions something important. He says, namely the leaders who are obeyed amongst their tribes. Why brothers? Why? Because if the leader becomes Muslim, usually the tribe becomes Muslim. Usually the tribe. That's why when you see the du'at go to places like Africa and that to the tribes, you see sometimes massive amounts of people entering Islam. Because when it comes to these tribes and the likes, when the leader or leaders become Muslim or do something or don't do something, you'll see a lot of them follow suit. A lot of the followers follow suit. So they said, or he said here, namely the leaders who are obeyed amongst their tribes, who may be given zakat, who may be given zakat in order, in order for them or to encourage them to become Muslim. Also that they will withhold their evil from the Muslims. Wallah, that's important. That's important. Or so that they will withhold their evil from the Muslims. He said zakat may also be given to new Muslims to strengthen their faith or to encourage their peace to become Muslim too or for other reasons that have been stated by the scholars. So as we said brothers, this is Yani. It's a summary inshallah of everything. But there are a lot of other side masail that one can go into if Yani, uh, he would like to. And it is permissible as well brothers regarding the non-Muslims to give them sadaqah. To give them sadaqah. Number 10, still on the differences and finishing off now. Number 10 is zakat cannot be given to the wife. Zakat cannot be given to the wife. Why can't it be given to the wife? Because she's a dependent. See how we mentioned earlier? These words are important, Yani. She's a dependent on you. She's a dependent on you, just like your son and your daughter, for example. They're dependents. So you're not allowed to give zakat to the wife. But sadaqah, of course, can. Sadaqah, of course, can. And this is by consensus, by the way, as Ibn al-Munzir, rahimahullah, narrated. But as for vice versa, can a wife give zakat to the husband? In cases and the likes, the answer is yes. Yes, if there is a need for that, as the ulama have spoken about. Ibn Uthaymin, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, the correct view, the correct view, which means what, brothers? Difference of opinion. When they say the correct view, generally, generally, maybe not always, but generally speaking, it means there's a difference of opinion. He says the correct view is that it is permissible to give zakat to one's husband if he is one of the people who are entitled to zakat. Don't go, wallah, and the wife knows that her husband's earning 10 grand a week. He's not in need. But you know what? She says, I'm going to give him zakat. Or he tells her, give me zakat. He's not one of the categories that Allah mentions in Surah At-Tawbah, which we're going to speak about insha'Allah. He says, perhaps evidence for that may be seen in the words that the Prophet ﷺ spoke to Zainab. Zainab was the wife of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu wa anha. Where she said, Ibn Mas'ud has spoken the truth. Or whether when she said to him about yani giving it to Ibn Mas'ud and the charity. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, Ibn Mas'ud has spoken the truth. Your husband and child are more deserving of your charity. 
your husband and child are more deserving of your charity. He says, we may say that this includes both the obligatory and voluntary charity. Meaning the zakat and the general sadaqah. The zakat and the general sadaqah. Because don't forget, you know, once again, the father is the one that they are dependent on. And they are his dependents. So he says, the sheikh, whatever the case, if this hadith is evidence, then all well and good. But if it applies only to the voluntary charity, then with regard to giving zakat to one's husband, we say, if the husband is poor, then he's entitled to zakat. And where is the evidence that this is not allowed? Because if the ruling can only be proven, because if the ruling can only be proven by evidence, there is no evidence either from the Quran or the Sunnah that a woman cannot give her husband or the zakat to her husband. Those are some of the differences between sadaqah and zakat. As for the virtues and wisdoms of zakat, brothers, and likewise sadaqah more generally, but zakat now, there are religious, moral, and social benefits, as Sheikh Ibn Uthameen mentions in a little treatise he wrote, called Ramadan, Taraweeh, and Zakat. Ramadan, Taraweeh, and Zakat. It's a little book. If you would like to get it, it's, yani, it's literally something you can read in a couple of hours. He says there are religious, moral, and social benefits. Benefits on an individual and communal level. And likewise, benefits on a national and global level. From them are the religious benefits. That is the fulfilling of one of the most important pillars and acts of worship. And it is enough, brothers, that Allah Azza wa Jal has made it one of the pillars of Islam. That is enough for us to be more than happy, more than happy to give the zakat. Secondly, it brings the slave closer to his Lord and increases his faith, in which regard it is like all acts of obedience. Because every act of worship that we do, whether obligatory or voluntary, then this is getting us closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. That's what the Hadith Qudsi says. My slave does not get closer to me with anything than that which I obliged upon him. That which I obliged upon him. And then he will continue, the slave, my brothers, will continue to get closer to Allah the more optional actions that he does and voluntary actions. Number three is the great reward of its implementation. Because it isn't just the fact that he's fulfilled it and freed himself of blame, but he also gets an immense reward and rewarded heavily for that. Both in the dunya and the akhirah. As Allah Azza wa Jal says, Allah will destroy riba, Allah will destroy usury, and He will give increase for the sadaqah, or the sadaqat. And Allah Azza wa Jal says, and whatever you give, me like a gift and the likes, whatever you give as a gift and things like this, for interest to increase your wealth by expecting to get a better one in return from other people's property, that has no increase with Allah. But whatever you give in zakat, whatever you give in zakat, seeking Allah's face, then those shall have the manifold increase. And the Prophet wasallam said, no one gives sadaqah of a date out of his honest earning, but Allah accepts it with his right hand and then fosters it as one of you fosters the colt like a little pony or a young she-camel till it becomes like a mountain or even greater. Also, number four is Allah Azza wa Jal erases thereby our sins. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Every, or envy, sorry, consumes good deeds, just as fire burns wood, and charity extinguishes sinful deeds, just as water extinguishes the fire. So, yani, this is obviously one of the 
Charity or zakat is one of obviously falls into that, of course. This includes both yani, sadaqah, as in the general charity, and the obligatory charity, which is zakat. Some of the moral benefits is that it places the one who gives it in the company of the general folk, who are kind and liberal. Yani, subhanallah, brothers, the points we're about to mention now from the moral benefits, wallahi, it really makes you contemplate upon the wisdom of Allah Azza wa Jal in legislating the zakat. And if everyone was to do it the way it was meant to be done, believe me, there would be many less poor people in the world. Many less poor people in the world. Number two is zakat causes, causes its giver, the one that's giving it, to possess the qualities of compassion and kindness towards his needy brothers. Any brothers, when you give zakat, what is one of the things that you have to do? Don't you have to give it to certain people? You giving it to certain people and beneficiaries, certain categories of people, don't you have to go then out there and search for those people? Make sure that they are in need. Make sure that they do fall under one of these eight categories. Of course. When you see their states, it makes you compassionate towards them. It makes you kind and have pity towards them. And Allah Azza wa Jal shows mercy to the merciful. Number three is, is it is observed that striving to benefit the Muslims with one's wealth and one's limbs opens the heart and expands the soul as it causes a person to be loved and respected due to the help which he extends to his brothers. Also in zakat there is a purification for the morality of the giver from stinginess. Wallahi brothers, one of the best ways to fight stinginess is when you fight your nafs to go and give for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal. One of the best ways that you can combat that stinginess that one may have is force yourself to go and give in sadaqah. Force yourself to go and give in sadaqah. And that's why the one that has kids and things like this, the ones that has children and stuff like that, one of the best ways to raise them in a way that they will not be stingy inshallah is from a young age to give them money and things like this to give others. You give them that money to go and give others. You give them that lolly to go and give others. Give them that food to go and give others. And when you raise them on that, then inshaAllah ta'ala, yani, it'll benefit them as they grow to not be stingy. And Allah Azza wa Jal, as we said the verse earlier, take from their wealth that which will purify them or to purify them. Some of the social benefits is that it meets the needs of the poor. And the poor brothers in reality are a large amount of every country pretty much. It's not like in every country there's only one or two poor people. There's a lot of poor people in many countries, especially overseas. It's actually a very, very large amount, subhanAllah. Also, the payment of zakat strengthens the Muslims and raises their status. Strengthens the Muslims and raises their status. And that's why it's one of, as well, one of the forms of jihad in Allah Azza wa Jal's way. And we mentioned that Allah Azza wa Jal, when he spoke about jihad, almost every time, he actually put forth the jihad of the wealth before the jihad of the body and soul. He put forth the jihad of the wealth before. Many times in the Quran, you'll see jihad of the wealth and jihad of the body, right? Together. And many times, if not all, literally almost, he'll put forth first the wealth, the jihad of the wealth first. Number three, is it removes the jealousy and resentment which may be in the hearts of the poor and needy. 
Can you imagine brothers now that no one's there to take care of them? That you don't go and give them for example the zakat and they know that you owe zakat and you don't give for example. They're going to be obviously envious and jealous. But when they're being taken care of, what will they do? It's the opposite. They'll make dua for you. They'll look up to you. They'll thank you, even though we don't want thanks from the creation. Which is why some of the ulama, they said, because of that verse in Surah Al-Insan, that we do not want from you any recompense, nor any thanks. We don't want anything. Some of the ulama, they said, when it comes to even sadaqah, sadaqah, when it comes to sadaqah, even telling the person, make dua for me, just make dua for me. You know, a lot of the times the person will be like, what can I do or something like that? And then you'll be like, just make dua. Some of the ulama even said this, don't even say to them. Because the ayah it says, we don't want any recompense, nothing, nothing. Because they know their reward is with Allah Azza wa Jal. So when you go and you give that zakat, the poor and needy, that will at least inshallah make them content and at least make them less yani, envious or less jealous. And those feelings in their hearts will be removed, inshallah. Number four is it causes wealth to grow. It causes wealth to grow and increases blessing and purifies the wealth. As we know, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, charity does not decrease one's wealth. Charity does not decrease one's wealth. That is, even if charity decreases the amount, meaning the actual digit, the actual number, it will not decrease the blessing. Rather, you will only get more blessing. And in time, insha'Allah ta'ala, you will also only get more digits as well. Wallahi, brother, the real winner, wallahi, the real winner is the one that trusts in Allah Azza wa Jal's words and trusts what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he told us. Number five is it helps bring about growth and expansion of wealth. Because when wealth is spent, its circulation is widened and many people benefit from it. As opposed to it just being circulated amongst the rich. In which case the poor do not benefit anything from it. And one of the ways that this may be, one of the ways, is that when the rich, for example, if the rich were not to give any wealth to the poor, the poor are going to have way less opportunities. And that money is only going to be circulated amongst the rich. But when the poor are getting taken care of like that, it's creating opportunities in the communities. It could be that that poor person was poor now, received some of the zakat and that opportunity, and because of that he created or made a business. And then he becomes rich through that and helps more poor. And then it becomes a cycle, for example. As opposed once again to that wealth only being circulated amongst, amongst the rich. From the other benefits is, it is a way to complete and perfect one's Islam. Also, it is indicative of a person's sincerity of faith. Because wealth, as we know, brothers, it's beloved. And that's why you see so many people, so many families will go to war after the death of someone due to what? Inheritance. Because of their love of wealth and their stinginess. For when you give, this is indicative of your faith, especially when you give happily. When you give happily, what did Allah Azza wa Jal say regarding the wealth of a lady? The dowry, the sadaq, the mahr. He said, And give the women their dowries happily. In reality now, that's a debt on your neck until you give it. 
Give it to them happily. For likewise us as Muslims that owe this wealth, and when we give the wealth, we should give happily. We shouldn't give frowning, upset, cut and things like this. Rather from a sign or a sign of your true sincerity is that you do give happily. Also, number three, another side point yani, is it cleanses the character of the one who gives it. So that once again he's saved from being from the stingy and he's included amongst the generous. Because if he accustoms, this is what I was talking about earlier. If he accustoms himself to giving, whether it's giving knowledge, this is now more general, right? Not necessarily the zakat, of course. Whether it's giving knowledge or giving wealth or using his position to help others, that giving, that giving will become a characteristic for him and will be part of his nature until he gets upset if there is a day when he does not give. Like the hunter who gets used to hunting. Does anybody know like a heavy fisherman, someone who loves fishing? Or someone maybe who loves hunting, yani, it's like his life, right? When he goes like a day or two without hunting or without going fishing or a week without going fishing, it's like his life, something's wrong with it, yani. His life's on pause. For you, my brother, when you get used to a certain act, when you pause that act, you take a break from that act, subhanAllah, you end up feeling like something's missing. You end up feeling like something's missing. So the Sheikh said, like the hunter who gets used to hunting, if one day he does not hunt, you'll see him getting anxious. Similarly, the one who has gotten used to being generous will feel anxious if he does not give some of his wealth or use his position to help others one day. Likewise, it gladdens the heart. Wallah, brothers, when you give, doesn't it make you happy? It gives you a sense of happiness that you will not be able to get anywhere else. If a person gives something, especially wealth, because of how much he naturally loves it, he feels a sense of joy. So this is something that is tried and tested. And the Sheikh says, but it is subject to the condition that he gives happily and gladly, willingly, not grudgingly. Not grudgingly. Yani meaning not in a way like, oh, i got to give man, and then he's going to end up having something in his heart. No, give happily. Ibn Qayyim said, Rahimahullah ta'ala in Zadul Ma'ad, that giving and generosity are means of gladdening the heart, making the heart happy. But no one benefits from that except the one who gives it gladly and willingly and gives the wealth from his heart before he gives it from his hand. Gives the wealth from his heart before he gives it with his hand. As for the one who gives it from his hand, but his heart is still attached to the wealth, his heart, he will never benefit from that giving. He's not going to benefit because his heart is still attached. Rather, you should give it with your heart and your hand. Number five is it joins a person to the ranks of the true believers. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, None of you will truly believe until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. So just as you like and you love to be given money with which you can meet your needs, then likewise your brothers and sisters that are in need as well, also, it is one of the means of entering Jannah. The Prophet ﷺ said, Paradise is for the one who speaks good words, spreads the salam, feeds the hungry, and prays at night when the people are asleep. Feeds the hungry includes, of course, both of these, inshallah. Also, it makes the Muslim society feel like a single family, in which those who have the means show compassion to those who don't have the means. 
and the rich show compassion to those who are in hardship. Thus a person feels that he has brothers to whom he must do good as Allah has been good to him. And you end up developing that, Wallah brothers, you end up developing a mentality like didn't Allah Azza wa Jal bless us? Allah Azza wa Jal blessed us more than we could ever imagine, subhanAllah. So when you have that mentality and develop that mentality, you end up giving more and are more likely to give. Likewise, it extinguishes the flames of revolution amongst the poor. Because a poor man might be provoked, he might be provoked by finding a man who can ride whatever car he wants and live wherever in whichever palace he wants and eat whatever he wants, whereas he has no means of transportation, meaning this poor person, except his own two feet. And he can only sleep on the ground. So undoubtedly he will feel some sort of resentment in his heart. But if the rich are generous to the poor, they will prevent rebellion and soothe their anger. And they will say, we have brothers who acknowledge us at times of hardship. So they will feel love towards the rich. And also, look at this point, brothers. Wallah, I, I find this a very important point too. And that is, it prevents financial crimes such as robbery, stealing and the likes. Wallah, brothers, can you imagine now, like I said, zakat was to be given the correct way by everybody. Do you, can you imagine, yani, would there be any more poor people like Allahu A'lam? Yani, would there be any more poverty the way we know it and things like this? Or to the extent that of course, if someone is in a community and he's completely poor, with no means of earning, and he's seeing all of these filthy rich houses, especially if he knows that they're meant to give and they do not give, for example, naturally this could increase the rate of crime, the crime rate. So with zakat, it prevents financial crimes, such as robbery and stealing and the likes. Salvation likewise, from the heat of the day of resurrection. The Prophet said, every man will be in the shade of his charity on the day of resurrection. Every man will be in the shade of his charity on the day of resurrection. And one of them was a man who gives charity and conceals it so much that his left hand does not know what his right hand is doing. And also it leads someone to learn about the laws of Allah Azza wa Jal. It leads someone to learn about the laws of Allah Azza wa Jal. Because how can he pay his zakat if he hasn't learned about the rulings? So before that he goes and he learns. And he benefits and the likes. Also it purifies the wealth as we said. And this is something that is tried and tested the Sheikh says. Number 13 is, is a means of bringing down the blessings. Look at this brother subhanallah wallah. So important. It's a means, he says, of bringing down blessings. For example, rain. Isn't rain from the greatest of blessing? Look what the Prophet ﷺ said. No people withhold the zakat of their wealth except that rain will be withheld from the sky. Except that rain will be withheld from the sky. That's why if there's ever droughts and the likes and no rain and stuff like that, one of the advice to give to the people is pay your zakat. Pay your zakat. He says, no people ever withhold zakat of their wealth 
except that rain is withheld from the sky. Also the charity given in secret, as the Prophet ﷺ said, extinguishes the wrath of the Lord. And there does come, and it does come in some of the ahadith, even though there's generally weakness to them, that giving, it pushes away, and it wards off a bad death. A bad death. But generally speaking, the ahadith are not authentic regarding that. And likewise, also another hadith regarding it like wrestling in a way with the calamity that comes down and it prevents it from reaching earth. But yani, once again, there is definitely some uh, statements of authenticity or not authenticity regarding that. He says also, charity extinguishes sins as water extinguishes fire. Now the ruling of giving zakat and the ruling of the one who withholds. The ruling of giving zakat and the ruling of the one who withholds. Zakat, as we said, is an obligation. Zakat is an obligation. And it is one of the pillars of Islam. We said, the Prophet said, Islam was built on five pillars. Now understand, generally speaking, brothers, some of the ulama, even though they were the minority, vast minority, some of them did say and hold the opinion that the one that leaves off just one of these five pillars becomes a disbeliever. Just one. Just one. Whereas generally we know that the biggest difference of opinion was where brothers? With pillar? Which pillar? The prayer, the salah of course. Then after that the zakah. Then after that the psalm, the fasting. That's why Al-Dhahabi rahimahullah ta'ala he said regarding the fasting that the one that does not fast Ramadan with no legitimate reason He's worse than an intoxicant. He's worth worse than an intoxicated person, yani, one who takes illicit substances and things like this. And he's worse than a fornicator, one who has zina. And he's worse than an exploiter. He exploits the people. And then he says, rather, some of the scholars, they even doubted whether he was a heretic or not. They doubted his Islam. That's about what? The one that doesn't fast with no reason. The one that doesn't fast with no reason. So let us see subhanallah now, just firstly before we continue with that point, what is the actual threshold? The actual threshold brothers is 85 grams of gold and 595 grams of silver. From the conditions of the zakat is one has to be a Muslim. And likewise according to the majority he has to be free, not a slave yani. Not a slave, he has to be free. And he has to have complete ownership of the wealth. Complete ownership of the wealth. And also then the next two that we already spoke about, the threshold, which is the minimal payable quantity. So say for example, brothers, you got to work it out. How much is 85 grams of gold today? For example, the day that I owe my zakat. How much is 595 grams of silver for example, and the topic about which one do I go off? Because back in the days, it was very similar, very similar. But today, there's a massive gap, a massive gap between the threshold of silver, which is the much lesser, and the threshold of gold. So which one do we go off? What do you guys think? Okay. The silver, Salsabin, who else? 
Why gold though? Safer, but that's the greater one, which means that that yani, if you're saying to be safer, you would go off the lesser one. Because that means you can't be wrong in that case. You know what I mean? Because when we say 85 grams of gold, brothers, 595 grams of silver, don't forget, you have to equate it to the price today on the market, right? So let us say, for example, I haven't checked it yani, yet recently, meaning if you want to check it and let me know the actual the prices, but there's a massive difference these days. Back in the days, it wasn't much. But these days, not like today, these days, Allahu Akbar, it's a massive difference. For when you say to be safer, to be safer would be going off the lesser one, which is the silver. Yeah, which is why many of the ulama, especially the contemporary ones, they said to go off the silver. But Allah will explain that at the end, inshaAllah ta'ala. Let us just get the numbers first. For anyway, the threshold and also the duration of one lunar year. One lunar year. So as you can see, accountability is not a condition. 8,432. That's exceptionally high. Compared to yani, the last few years, I think it is, isn't it? I think last year was, was a few thousand less than that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Subhanallah. It's exceptionally high this year then. Yeah. But anyway, the point is, we're going to discuss that towards the end, which one we go off and things like this, inshallah, because that's what concerns us at the end of the day. And alhamdulillah, there are many of the foundations today which have done the work for us. Huh? They've done the work for us, meaning they send out the actual thresholds, yani, previously or prior, so it makes it a lot easier. But that's another point, brothers. Be careful. Because what do we mean they send out? What do they send out? When do they send it out? Haven't you guys received the, the updates like yani, emails or seen it online and that? Huh? They usually send it out when? Before Ramadan or during Ramadan? But is zakat to be given in Ramadan? That's something we're going to discuss as well. Let's just finish off this point, inshallah. The ruling of giving zakat and the ruling of the one who withholds it. We know that zakat is a, a pillar of Islam. We mentioned the hadith regarding that. But we said, for who is it obligatory? Because not every pillar of Islam has to be necessarily performed and fulfilled unless you meet the conditions. What are the conditions? We said a Muslim. It's got to be a Muslim. Free, which is what many of the ulama they placed and stipulated as the condition, that he has the full ownership of the wealth, that he's reached or his wealth has reached the threshold. Once again, don't forget, we're not only saying money as in paper, currency or gold or silver. There's the other, remember, the other potential pretty much wealth, yani potential growth wealth, that we have to take into consideration. But we're not going to go through, as we said, livestock and that, because that's something that generally doesn't apply to many of us. And if it does, we can speak about that inshallah later, yani, in another time separately. But right now, that's what we're going to stick to of the actual wealth that we know of gold, silver, etc. For the point is now that, the point is now, those are the conditions with the one, the one lunar year. The one lunar year. Abdullah, but as I said, you do not see accountability as a condition. What do we mean accountability, brothers? Pretty much they've hit bulugh now, right? How does someone hit bulugh? How does someone be accountable? Okay, that's, yeah. Very good. Course, you on the Wednesday class then, so it's fresh for you. When, <laughs> he just took it with me, that's <laughs> on Wednesday. Course pubic hair, wet dream, one of them only has to occur. If they don't occur, then automatically at the age of 15, 
even though some of the ulama, they held the view 18 and other than this, we're not going to get into the fine details. The age of 15 means automatic accountability in this case. And for the girls specifically, but these days, Allah al-Musta'an, yani, some of the brothers might also try to claim this, that they get their monthlies. They get the monthlies. When I say brothers, yani, some of the men, unfortunately, men, kafar <laughs> and one, two, three. The point is anyway, yani, these are the ways that one becomes accountable. So someone might become accountable in the sharia at the age of nine. At the age of ten, they might be a baligh. Right? So the point is now, as you notice, that's not one of the conditions. And that's why the ulama, they said, that we also have to extract wealth and the guardian should extract wealth from the child's money as well. The child's money as well. And who else? The insane person. As comes in the narrations and there is some weakness to them, the Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhu said, as for the one who is the guardian, or that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi said, as for the one who is the guardian of an orphan who has wealth, then let him do business with it and not leave it until it becomes consumed by charity. Until it becomes consumed, lessened by charity. And Abdul Rahman ibn Qasim, he said, Aisha used to take care for me and the brother of mine as orphans, as orphans. The one who denies, we're going to get to the point, brothers, about the kids, inshallah, because that was one of the questions the sisters asked. The one who denies its obligation, just like the one who denies the obligation of any of the pillars of Islam, he becomes a disbeliever. He becomes a disbeliever, or he is a disbeliever. So he's to be asked to repent, and if he does not, he's to be dealt with with thee or by thee. They're pretty much uh, the the leader. As for the one that accepts that it's a pillar, but he doesn't pay it because of his stinginess or other reasons, then the majority of ulama they said he's a major sinner, but he is not a disbeliever. But Allah Azza wa Jalla, look what He says in the Quran and in the Quran and Sunnah. There are a lot of verses and ahadith which speak about the. Ones that are stingy with their zakat. Allah Azza wa Jal, he says, وَلَا يَحْسَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ يَبْخَلُونَ بِمَا آتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ هُوَ خَيْرًا لَهُمْ بَلْ هُوَ شَرٌ لَهُمْ سَيُطَوَّقُونَ مَا بَخِلُوا بِهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَلِلَّهِ مِرَاثُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ And let not those who stingily withhold that what Allah has given them of His grace think that that's good for them. Rather, it will be evil for them. What they withheld, that which they withheld, shall be tied to their necks like a twisted collar on the day of judgment. And to Allah belongs the heritage of the heavens and the earth. And Allah is well acquainted of what they do. And Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, inna kathiran min al-ahbari wal-ruhbani la ya'kuluna amwala al-nasi bil-batili wa yasudduna an sabilillah. Oh, you who believe, verily there are many of the rabbis and monks who devour the wealth of mankind in falsehood and hinder them from the way of Allah. Then Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ يَكْنِزُونَ الذَّهَبَ وَالْفِضَّةَ وَلَا يُنْفِقُونَهَا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ فَبَشِّرْهُمْ بِعَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ And those who hoard up, they hoard, they gather, they hoard up the gold and silver, the wealth, the money, and they don't pay the zakat on it. They don't spend it in the way of Allah. Then announce to them a painful punishment, Allah says. Announced to them a painful punishment. On that day or a day, 
when what they gathered and they hoarded and they one, two, three, all this wealth that they gathered, hoarded and did not pay the zakat, it will be heated in the hellfire and it will be branded, they will be branded with it on their forelocks, their foreheads and their flanks, their sides and their bank, their backs. And it will be said to them, this is the treasure which you used to hoard for yourself, now taste that which you used to hoard. And the Prophet sallallahu said a hadith. He says, يَكُونُ كَنْزُ أَحَدِكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ شُجَاعًا أَقْرَعًا يَفِرُّ مِنْهُ صَاحِبُهُ فَيَطْلُبُهُ وَيَقُولُ أَنَا كَنْزُكُ قَالْ وَاللَّهِ لَنْ يَزَالَ يَطْلُبُهُ حَتَّى يَبْسُطَ يَدَهُ فَيُلْقِمَهُ فَاهُمْ That the Prophet sallallahu said, on the day of resurrection, the kanz, the treasure or wealth, that, that zakat was not paid on, of one of you will appear in the shape of a bald-headed poisonous snake and its owner will run away from it. And it will follow him and say, I am your treasure, I am your treasure. I'm what you used to gather. I'm what you used to hoard. And the Prophet ﷺ said, By Allah, that snake will keep on following him until he stretches out his hand and let the snake swallow it. Subhanallah. That's from the punishment. That's from the punishment. And also Allah's Messenger وسلم, said, and the beginning is very similar. He says on the day of resurrection, the treasure that he used to hoard pretty much and did not pay the zakat, it will come in the form of a bald-headed poisonous snake and its owner will run away from it. And in one hadith, يطوقه, he will, it will be placed around his neck like that twisted, like that twisted collar, subhanAllah. Ibn Qudama rahimahullah said, whoever denies the zakat, yani, whoever denies it out of ignorance, and he is ignorant of it because he is new in Islam, or because he grew up in a remote area, far from the cities, should be informed that it's wajib. He has to be informed that it's obligatory and should not be regarded as a kafir because he is excused. But if he is a Muslim, listen carefully brothers now. Why that guy, why would he have an excuse? Because he's new to Islam and he didn't really have the chance to learn in reality. Because he's new, yani, he didn't know, he didn't learn beforehand or because he grew up from a remote area. But someone who's a Muslim and he has lessons every day, every week, he hears the adhan, he doesn't go, he calls, he's the call to the prayer, salah doesn't go, all of this, he is the reason he's still ignorant. He is the reason he's still ignorant. The Shaykh says, Ibn Qudama rahimahullah, but if he is a Muslim who grew up in a Muslim land, where there are a lot of scholars, then he is an apostate to whom the rulings of apostasy apply. He should be asked to repent three times. If he repents, all well and good. Otherwise, he is to be executed. Because the evidence that zakat is obligatory is clearly stated in the Quran and Sunnah and the consensus of the Ummah. And it can hardly be unknown by someone in his situation. If he denies it, that can only be because he is denying the Quran and Sunnah and does not believe in that. Now obviously that's under an Islamic government as well, brothers Yani, when the judicial process gets taken place and things like this. Then he says, if he withholds it, although he believes it's obligatory, and the ruler is able to take it from him, then he should take it from him, yani forcefully. And he should punish him, at ta'zir, punishment. But he should not take, because Islam is the religion of justice, 
he should not take any more than that zakat is due according to the view of the majority of scholars. He only takes according to what he should take, but nothing more than that. Nothing more than that. But if the one who is withholding the zakat, the one that doesn't want to pay it, is beyond the ruler's reach, he should fight him. Because the sahaba, the sahaba fought those who withheld it. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, if they withhold from me, look at this. Look how serious the matter of zakat is, brothers. If they withhold from me a rope, a rope, a rope that they used to give to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in zakat, you know, they're meant to give me this. This is the right of the poor and needy and the categories. And they withhold for me just a rope that they used to give to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I will fight them for it. I'll fight them for it. Why? Because they had some of them the mentality that when the Prophet ﷺ was alive, we give him the zakat. But now that he is not, we're not giving anyone the zakat. That's it. So obviously look what he said there. Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah ta'ala said, concerning the zakat, it is obligatory according to the consensus of the Muslims that whoever denies zakat is a kafir. Meaning whoever denies, sorry, the, oblig, the obligation of zakat. He's a kafir. Unless he's a new Muslim. Or he grew up in a remote area far from knowledge and scholars. In which case he is excused. But he should be told. But as for the one who withholds it out of stinginess and carelessness, there is a difference of opinion amongst the ulama. Some of them said he's a kafir. And this was one of the two views narrated from Al-Imam Ahmad. And others said, said that he is not a kafir, and this is the most correct opinion, but he has committed a major sin. Then he mentions an evidence, brothers, to say that he is not a kafir. Is, and it is the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, that according to which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he mentioned the punishment of the one who withholds the zakat of gold and silver. And one of them he said, until judgment has been passed amongst the people, then he will be shown to his, or he will be shown his path either to paradise or to hell. If it is possible that he may be shown his path to paradise, then he is not a kafir, because the kafir cannot be his show, shown his path to paradise. But the one who withholds it out of stinginess or carelessness is committing a great sin, which Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned, and then He mentioned the verses that we said above. Inshallah, we'll take another break, brothers. It's 11.08 now. Inshallah, we'll take a break to 11.20. And we'll finish off with our last session, which is going to be a practical example of the zakat of currency, yani, inshallah. And also the recipient of zakat. Of course, you can't take the fiqh of zakat or even a summary of the summary of the fiqh of zakat without taking the recipient of zakat. And then inshallah ta'ala, we're going to go through some random questions, which initially I had prepared over 40 over 40, but as I said, if we we're going to actually take those 40, we probably need another 10 hours because there are some very specific masail, you know, that pertain to the zakat. But inshallah, let's leave it for that. Wallahu a'la wa a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. You are listening to Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Continuing on from where we left off, after mentioning the fatwa of Sheikh Ibn Uthameen rahimahullah and some of the fatwa of some of the ulama regarding the rulings of those who 
do not pay the zakat. And we spoke about the one that leaves that off out of believing it's not a pillar or it's not obliged. And we said the one that believes it is obliged, but يعني, he does it out of laziness or stinginess, if you'd like to say for a better word, wallahu a'lam. Now we'll continue into the recipients of zakat, the beneficiaries. Who is allowed to, who is allowed to receive um, zakat? Allah Azza wa Jal in Surah At-Tawbah has already outlined for us the beneficiaries of zakat. And we said that one of the differences between the zakat and the sadaqah is zakat is set to specific individuals. That is one of the definitions. When we took the three definitions at the beginning, we mentioned that in each definition and the definition of zakat in general is that it has to be given to certain people, certain individuals or certain classes or types of individuals. So we see here, Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, Indeed, the sadaqat. The sadaqat, see now how we can understand, inshallah, that it means zakat, because we said in the Quran and in the Sunnah often the word sadaqah or sadaqat comes to mean zakat. He says, indeed, as sadaqat are only for the fuqara, the poor. And al-masakin, here they usually translate it as well as the poor, or you can say the poor and the needy. We're going to see exactly what Sheikh Ibn Uthameen rahimahullah ta'ala said about each one of these categories after we just translate the verse. Indeed, as-sadaqat are only, only for the poor and the needy, and those who are employed to collect the funds, the one that works in this and is employed to collect them, he's entitled and to attract the hearts of those who have been inclined towards Islam and practicing and things like this, which is what we said when? When we spoke about giving it to a, a kafir. When we spoke about just recently giving it to a kafir, that's included. At, because we said generally speaking, you're not allowed to give zakat to a kafir, correct? But we said some of the ulama were on the opinion that the correct opinion is, in this case, you can. Or for example, to, to prevent his evil, and things like this. That Allah Azza wa said, and to free the captives, and for those in debt, and for Allah's cause. Allah's cause generally meaning jihad. But inshallah we're going to see it when we get to that point a bit more about that. And for the wayfarer who's like a traveler who's been cut off from all means. A duty imposed by Allah. And Allah is the all-knower, the all-wise. The first one, the fuqara, the poor. Brothers, between the definitions of the fuqara and the masakin, which are the plural of faqir and miskin, the poor and the needy, the ulama, they differed regarding the definitions. Some of them, they actually said, some of the scholars, they actually said, the faqir and the miskin are both the same thing. They're both the same. And some of them, they said, the faqir is the one that is more in need than the miskin. And some of them, they said the opposite of that saying, the miskin is in more need than the faqir. So here regarding the fuqara, the sheikh says, Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah, they are those who have not enough, they don't have enough for their needs except a little less than half. They have less than half. So if a person does not find sufficient to keep himself and his family for half a year, then he's to be considered as a faqir. And he should be given sufficient to keep him and his family for a whole year. That's how much he should be given. He should be given sufficient to keep him and his family going for a whole year. 
Now regarding some of these definitions, brothers, as I said, there is a lot to talk about, a lot to go off and sidetrack and one, two, three. But as I said, this isn't the point of this course because we're trying to make it as pretty much simple as possible so that inshallah we can at least get a good understanding generally of the concept of zakat. Then you will have the keys inshallah. Then you will have the keys inshallah. You yourself can go speak with the mashayikh, discuss, study uh, more, research more, you know, listen more and things like this and benefit like that. So that's the faqir. As for the miskin, which is generally translated as the needy, they are those who have enough for half a year or more, but they do not find enough for a whole year. See, the faqir was the one that had less than half a year. And he should be given enough for what? To keep him going and his family for a year. The miskin, the sheikh says, is the one who has enough for half a year or more, but they do not have enough for the whole year. So they should be given enough for the whole year. And if a man does not have enough money, but he has other sources of income, pay attention to this, but he has other sources of income, such as a business, a salary, or other independent means by which he achieves sufficiency. Yani this man, he can go and work. He's got these assets or these businesses or whatever it is. And he can get enough where he will be sufficient, then he should not be given zakat. The Prophet said, There is no share in it for the rich man. Or for the one, or for the one who is strong and able to earn his living. And in our brothers, can you imagine? Can you imagine? There's a brother, he's completely healthy, he's completely fine. Maybe he even has a business and he can be sufficed. He can be sufficed. So he goes and he closes the business, sits at home, nothing's wrong with him, he's able to work. And he says, I need the zakat. Why do you need the zakat? Just go and work. You're able to work. Allah blessed you with a healthy body, the ability, a business, whatever it is. Allah blessed you. For here the Prophet said, there is no share in it for the rich man, nor for the one who is strong and able to earn his living. Number three is those who work on it or in it. Those who work to collect the funds. They are those who the ruler of the country entrusts with the collection of zakat. Because generally speaking, who sent out Mu'adh radiallahu anhu to get the zakat? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So generally we see that it is the, the rulers and those who take their positions who usually designate individuals to work in these, in these fields. So that's why the Sheikh said they are those who the ruler of the country entrusts with the collection of zakat from those who must pay it and with its distribution amongst those who are entitled to receive it and with its safekeeping and other responsibilities. So obviously the one that collects the zakat and deals with it brothers, he's got to take into consideration a few things. It's not just wallah go knock on the door, take the zakat, jazakallahu khaira, Allah ma'ak and that's it, we're done. He's still got a job to do. He's got to ensure he's getting it and getting it in a just way. That's why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said to Mu'adh regarding that, don't take the best of their property. And then he said, fee, in this context, fee the dua of the oppressed. Subhanallah. Fee the dua of the oppressed. For one could possibly be working in this field and he could possibly oppress others. Let us just say this, for example, wallah, a hundred sheep. There is 10 which are the top notch, top of the chain, luxury. And there are 10 which are, for example, the throw them to the, away right now. We don't even need them, right? 
Here, what are you going to do? Don't take the best best and don't take the worst worst. And this was pretty much the advice of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he says here, the sheikh, they are given their salary from the zakat money in accordance with their work. And then he says what? Even if they're wealthy. Even if they're what? Even if they're wealthy. And that's why when we said earlier the hadith brothers, that zakat is not to be given to a rich man. So is there an exception to that rule? Yes. That's why we said we're taking the foundations here. We're taking the keys here. But there is more to the story, yani. So I'm trying to give what we can and what we have time for. But really there's a lot of side points, yani. The fourth one is those whose hearts are inclined towards Islam. He says they are those amongst the leaders of men who are weak in faith. And they should be given from the zakat something in order to strengthen their faith. So that they become callers to Islam and a fine example. You need the benefit here, brothers. Imagine now, let's just say the leader of a tribe. Let's say even they're Muslim, but they may be weak Muslims. So you know that if you give them a little bit from the zakat, they're going to end up becoming, wallah, you know, better, more righteous, more pious, something like this. It could be through that, Allah Azza wa Jal guides the whole tribe to be soldiers, more pious, more righteous, more worshipping, and things like this. The Sheikh says, so, if a person is weak in Islam, but he is not one of the leaders who commands obedience, he's just an ordinary member of the public, should he be given anything from the zakat in order to strengthen his faith? The Sheikh said, some of the scholars say that he should be given something. Because benefiting the religion is more important than benefiting a man's body. And this is the case if a poor person is given something to nourish his body, then nourishing his heart with faith is of greater benefit. Other scholars consider that he should not be given anything because the benefit in strengthening his face is an individual benefit which only affects him. But the point is anyway, يعني, there is a bit of words about that. He says, الرقاب, freeing the slaves. That includes, that includes purchasing the freedom of slaves with the zakat funds. Emancipating slaves. Helping those who have made a contract with their owners. Imagine now a slave has made a contract with their owner that you give me this much and I'll set you free. So are we allowed to support them in the zakat? The answer is yes. What about freeing Muslim captives? The sheikh literally says, and freeing Muslim captives. You're allowed to take from the zakat money to free Muslim captives. Also al-gharimun. Who are al-gharimun? They are those who are in debt. Those who are in debt, who have not, they don't have the ability yani, to discharge their debts. They can't finish their debts. They can't pay them off, whether large or small. Even if they have sufficient food, even if they have sufficient food, because now they got a debt. The debt doesn't really have much to do with the food. It's two separate things here. He says thus, if it's determined that a man has sufficient food for him and his family, but he's in debt, which he can't pay, then he should be given sufficient amount from the zakat fund. And it's not permissible for a person who lends money to a poor person to consider that sum as a part of his zakat. Oh, now we've got a, now we've got a big matter. Now we've got a big matter. That is, brothers, you came to a brother and you told him, please, brother, give me 10,000 as a loan. I'll give you a back literally on the 31st of December. 
December is a 31-day month here. Khalas, that's it. The 31st of December. You say, all right, how much are you going to pay back monthly? Are we going to do a deal? One, two, three. Because Islamically, brothers, just for a side benefit here, that these things should be stipulated. Don't just go, wallah, and make a deal with the brother. Oh, how much is this car that you give me for? Oh, you know what? Just take it and pay me back whenever, whatever you want. Don't do that. Why? Maybe the brother has in mind, I'll pay you back five years later. I'll give you back 50 bucks a month. Maybe. Are you going to be happy with that? Generally, no. So don't, you know, leave it ambiguous. Set a time, set a date, set an amount, set if it's installments, set where. If you can, do all of these things and how and things like this. Wallah, it's very important. Al-Ghalimun, they are those in debt, he said, who don't have the ability to discharge their debts, whether they're large or small, even if they have sufficient food. Thus, if it is determined that a man has sufficient food for himself and his family, but he is in debt, which he cannot pay, then he should be given sufficient from the zakat fund, and it is not permissible for a person who lends money to a poor person to consider that sum as a part of his zakat. Now the brother asked for 10 grand, didn't he? They agreed monthly installments, payments, and it's going to be done by the 31st of December. So now, this brother that has the 10 grand loaned it to him, but he's got his zakat next month, for example. Can he go and say, okay, I owe 50 grand zakat, but I loaned this money from this brother to this brother. So I'm going to take that 10 grand off what I owe. He can't do that. He cannot do that. He's not allowed to do that. So inshallah, that's clear. And it's permissible for the one who pays zakat to go to the creditor and give him his right without the debtor's knowledge. This is another point now. If the one paying the zakat knows that he is unable to pay it. Once again, it is permissible for the one who pays zakat to go to the creditor and give him his right without the debtor's knowledge. And if the one paying the zakat knows that he's unable to pay it. And then moving on, because there's going to be a point about that coming at the end as well, inshallah. We're running a bit, a little bit short on time, inshallah khair. He says number seven is in Allah's cause. And that is generally understood to be jihad in the way of Allah Azza wa Jal. And rather there is a consensus that that falls under it, and it is that. But the matter, my brothers, is what, as the Sheikh says firstly, let's see. He says that is jihad in Allah's cause. The mujahid may be given zakat, which is sufficient for his jihad. And the equipment for jihad in Allah's way may be purchased from the zakat fund. From the zakat fund. Included in the description now, because brothers, we know that that falls under it, correct? That 100% falls under it to everyone. That's strong. Anyway, he says here, included in the description of in the way of Allah, is the acquisition of knowledge of Islamic law. The Sheikh is on the opinion that the student of Islam, meaning the student of knowledge, if he goes out for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal to study, he may be given from the zakat funds enough to enable him to pursue his studies through books and so on. He says the Sheikh, but unless he possesses money with which he can purchase these things. So firstly, we got who? The Mujahid. Everyone agreed on that, correct? Then we got after that, okay. But isn't the student of knowledge, does he fall under this concept of the Mujahid or not? 
many of the ulama actually were on the opinion that he does. But the sheikh says here, unless he possesses money with which he can purchase these things. But just for our knowledge, the ulama, they differed over that heavily. Meaning they actually differed over what about if this individual has money? Is he still entitled? Didn't we say with the ones that work with the zakat, collect and distribute, they're entitled even if they're rich? Even if they're rich? But what about the mujahid in this case? Even if he's rich or has money, is he entitled to zakat funds for his pursuit of knowledge? Some of the ulama, they said yes, even if he has money. And some of them, they mentioned one of the reasons for that is because him going out in pursuit for that Islamic knowledge as a student, that he now is busy with that and he's not able himself to earn. He's not able himself to earn. So that was their reasoning. That was their reasoning. And it is really يعني, a big topic and there is a big difference of opinion regarding these things. But wallahu alam, it is inshallah okay for a student of knowledge to take, especially, especially a student of knowledge who you hope can benefit the communities. Who you hope can benefit the communities. This is like even more so he's allowed to inshallah. What about also using zakat to build mosques or schools or hospitals? Using the zakat to build mosques or schools or hospitals. The ones that allowed this, where did they put it? Underneath the way for the sake of Allah. Because fi sabilillah means what? In the way of Allah. So some of the ulama, some, they opened up the umbrella extremely wide and they included in that all of these things. Hospitals, mosques, renovations, schools, all of these things. Whereas the vast majority, they did not include them. The vast majority, especially of the Salaf, understood it to mean in the way of Allah as in the Mujahid. Just to be clear. And I'm only mentioning the other opinion that some allowed it for mosques and schools and things like this. Some allowed it. I'm only mentioning that for our knowledge. Just so at least we can understand that point insha'Allah ta'ala. There was a question which I saw from one of the sisters which we'll just quickly put into that. Can we give zakat to the burial, the destitute burial? So pretty much imagine now, I hope I understood the question correctly insha'Allah. What about now if we need to bury someone, right? Can zakat go towards that for example? We said the asl is brothers what? The asl is that that deceased individual, is he not leaving off wealth? He is leaving off wealth. For the wealth should come from his wealth that he left off if no one else wants to volunteer. And they're not obliged to volunteer from the get-go. So he left off wealth. If no one else is going to cover, then the wealth which he left off we use to for his burial. Then if he has no wealth, if one of his family members can, that'll be good. And then if that can't happen, some of the ulama, they said, it can go to like the national treasury. Uh, the national treasury of the Muslims, Baytul Mal. And if that can't, then it can go from the more general funding of the Muslims, but it should not be taken from the zakat. It should not be taken from the zakat. Why? How would it fall under one of these eight categories? Apart from possibly, which one? In the way of Allah, exactly. The one that we just spoke about, possibly. 
Generally speaking, we said the ulama did not understand the verse to mean that general umbrella which we spoke about. So insha'Allah ta'ala, yani that one is, is clear. When building a well overseas as an act of sadaqa jariya, and we leave names of loved ones on the plague, so people make dua for us, is this allowed? That doesn't have anything to do with zakat, I think, yani. But anyway, the point is, insha'Allah ta'ala, that is allowed, and the ulama did not say that is haram, insha'Allah. But at the same time, some of the ulama described it as makruh, disliked. But many of the ulama classified it as mubah, permissible. Uh, but at the same time, we did mention the verse, how some of the ulama, they said, la nuridu minkum wa shukura, we don't want any thanks from you, any recompense from you, nor any thanks. But at the same time, is it allowed? Yes, it is allowed, insha'Allah ta'ala, so long as one does not intend through that, showing off, and things like this, of course, yani. Of course, insha'Allah, that's clear. Okay, the next one and the last one of the eight beneficiaries, brothers. Does anyone want to ask, though, um, regarding just the eighth category? Because that fee sabili low ones, usually brothers have questions about that. Does anybody want to ask just about that eighth category? The what, sorry? I, I didn't hear you. Yes, yes, yes. But like we said, him and his family, yani. him and his family. But don't forget too, that generally speaking, if they're going to fall under one of the categories, which is a good point actually that you're asking now, can you give zakat to any of these eight categories or do you have to specify them in order or limit yourself to one? Or can you give zakat part of it to this category, part of it to that category, correct? The answer is, well, I probably asked about three separate matters in that. So anyway, the answer is you're allowed to give zakat to one category and not to another. And you're allowed to give zakat in any of the eight categories that you like. It doesn't have to be meaning the first, and then if you don't find the first, the second, if you don't find the second, the third. And likewise, you can give part of your zakat to some, and part of your zakat to others. To one category, and then to other category. What do you mean, sorry? Of course, no, we should, 100%. Which is a side point about like what you're asking pretty much, yani, regarding organizations and things like this, brothers, always check who you're giving your zakat to. Always check who you're giving your zakat to. Let us try to just get to the end of this because there's going to be an important point, which is, what if I gave zakat to a beggar who looked poor and it turned out he was rich? Isn't that an important masala? It's a very important matter, I think, in our day and age, especially overseas. Anyway, let's just move on to the eighth one. The wayfarer is the one, as we said, which is the traveler whose journey is interrupted due to the lack of funds. Whose journey is interrupted due to the lack of funds. Let us just say hypothetically, yani, even though it is a bit difficult, I think, in our day and age to picture, unless someone goes off to like those desolate lands, people where there's no connection, one, two, three... So let us say, for example, there was a traveler, he's overseas in Saudi maybe, okay? Let's say he loses everything. He loses his contacts, he loses his phone, he loses his money, he loses his tickets, he missed his flight. He literally has nothing now, right? He's absolutely gone, zero. He has no contact and no way of receiving any financial assistance from his family or whatever it is. 
in his hometown in Australia, for example, the brother's rich. The brother is rich, for example. But he got stuck overseas in a predicament that it would have been like no way we're ever going to be in the position we're in now. For example, and there's no way at all to get any form of assistance, even though he's rich back home, he's lost all access to his funds. This is counted as the eighth category, the wayfarer, where one is allowed to get supported through the zakat in this. Is that clear, brothers? That point clear? Does anybody want to ask any questions regarding the beneficiaries? The beneficiaries. Say that again, sorry. The one that is most in need. The one that the believer sees is most beneficial for the people, yani. The one that the believer sees is most beneficial to the people. Some of the ulama, they spoke about putting the poor and needy first and things like this. But really the one that the believer sees is most in need is the one that should be given precedence and priority. As we said, Ibn Uthaymin's words, rahimahullah, for example, with the poor and needy, that you give them according to the year. You give them according to the year. And there are differing views on this too. Uh, wallahu alam. Okay, moving on now, some of the questions related to zakat. Firstly, the zakat on the gold worn by women and silver worn by women. Any brothers, you have obviously gold and silver, right? Meaning you have gold and silver. Like, let's say, imagine you have gold and silver. Obviously, when it comes to gold, the men can't wear gold. So if it comes to the man and he's just holding it there, holding it there and it's for a legitimate reason, he's not, he's not wearing it, he's doing it for investment or something. The ruling's obviously clear, correct? Because he's got gold, he's not wearing it, no one's wearing it. Let's say he's single, okay? He's got it there for investment. Of course, yani, he has to pay on this. Obviously, when, when, all of the conditions are met and everything like that, which we've spoken about. But what about a lady who wears gold? A lady who's actually wearing these uh, zakat, zakatable items, if you'd like to say. Is there zakat on this? Some of the ulama, they said there is. And some of the ulama, they said there isn't. And there is proof from those who said that there is. And there is proof from those who said that there isn't. From the main proofs of those that said that there isn't, is they pretty much resembled it to what? To the clothing you wear and things like this. Yani. But at the same time, what I advise always, brothers, is if it's possible... Give the zakat on them. Give the zakat on them. And we see some ahadith, which is some of the proofs which those who said that she has to give zakat on them, that she has to give zakat on them, they used where the Prophet saw some wearing gold and the likes, and he asked, like even Aisha radiallahu anha, did you pay zakat on them? Did you pay zakat on them? For I always advise brothers, if it is possible, um, to pay uh, zakat Yani on that gold and silver. And the asl is, you know how we said there are certain categories of what zakat is owed on? So for example, trade goods. Trade goods, right? For example, livestock. Some of the ulama, they said the asl is that you give the zakat from the actual, from the actual yani, uh, category that you're dealing with. So if I'm dealing with wallah, 40 sheep or 100 sheep or 1,000 sheep, and I need to give sheep now in zakat. I need to give a certain amount here. Okay, what I should do, some of the ulama, they said the foundational rule is to give it and extract the zakat from the actual category. So if I owe zakat for gold and silver, to not go, or the asl, to not go and give a sheep for zakat, for example. Uh, but can you now inter, 
mingle or inter, you know, uh, change over and the likes. This is a point of dispute amongst the ulama. And that's why they said yani, the asl is to give it from the actual, the actual thing. Yes. Very good. As for diamonds and things like this, you don't pay on them. You do not pay on diamonds. You do not pay on rubies and stuff like that. Someone might say, but, but what do you mean? Rubies or diamonds are more expensive than gold. For example, someone might say that. But this is the hikmah of the, of the sharia on the sharia. Yani. We were told what to give the zakat on. We limit to that and that's it. That's it. But unless what? Unless you're trading with the items, of course, then they become trade goods. Very good. Is it the husband's or the brother's or the father's, for example, responsibility to pay for his wife, to pay for his daughter, to pay for his sister? The answer is no. But if his child is underage and he is saving that money for them, it's their money now, he's the guardian here. Obviously, they're not accountable. They're not accountable. But let us take a step back now. You've got a husband and a wife. Let's just say on her wedding night, she got gifted, I don't know, $10,000 worth of gold, for example. And that's her gold now. Let us say she doesn't wear it. She has it as an investment. Does she pay or not pay? She has to pay now. It's an investment, right? But let us say now it's wearable. Does she pay or not? We said there's the difference, correct? But we said to stay safe, I personally advise Yani to always pay if it's possible. It's not going to cause hardship, inshallah. I advise to pay always, yani. But as for the actual ruling, you can go to one of the seniors regarding that, yani. I don't like these things at all on my neck. But I always advise, if it's possible, you know, you're safe like that. You can't be wrong like that. But now, let's just say we're going to go with she's paying. Is it the husband's responsibility? The answer is no. It's not the husband's responsibility to pay for his wife's zakat. Likewise, it's not the... Husband's responsibility, the father's responsibility to pay, for example, for his 30-year-old daughter that's living with her husband out of the house. Or for his sister, for example, who's grown and old as well. But now, but now, can he? The answer is yes. He can pay. But once again, there should be the intention also. And he should let her know, which is better if he lets her know and the likes and things like this. There was one more thing, I think. I'm coming to that, the super. Yes, coming to that as well, inshallah. I thought there was something that with, with this one now, anyway. Yeah. You can take it to the... Yeah, they'll tell you exactly. The jurors will tell you exactly. The jurors will tell you exactly. And on top of that, when you purchase the gold, if it's legitimate, they should give you these the paperwork. I'm not the most experienced with gold and, 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 and these kind of things, Yani. But I know at least that the jurors usually would give you some sort of paperwork to identify the exact components of the actual, the actual uh, uh, entity. Yani, wallahu alam. Okay, zakat on savings. This gets asked so much. I want to go to hajj. I'm saving for hajj. Do I have to pay zakat? The answer is yes, you have to pay zakat. You have to pay zakat on the savings. With regards, Sheikh Ibn Ba said, rahimahullah, With regards to money that is being saved for marriage, he said, or to build a home and so on, because someone might say, well, look, I, I, I'm, I'm saving 
to buy a house or to buy a land or I'm saving for Hajj or Umrah or I've bought already a land ages ago. I pay in zakat on that land because it's investment, they say, for example, yani. But I'm saving to build a house on that land. So do I have to pay on the savings? The answer is yes, of course. If the time has come and it's met the conditions, you have to pay for those, for those savings. So he says, with regard to money that is being saved for marriage or to build a home and so on, it is subject to zakat if it reaches the nisab, the threshold. And we said you need to see the threshold. It can differ يعني, and differs from year to year and the likes. يعني. If it reaches the nisab and one year has passed since it reached the nisab, whether it is in the form of gold, silver, paper currency, because of the general meaning of the evidence which indicates that zakat is due on whatever reaches the nisab after one year has passed without exception. We said zakat in other forms or buying other things for those things to be given. Meaning now, I'll give you the fatwa by Ibn Baz first, rahimahullah. He says, It is also permissible to give instead of cash goods, such as fabric, food, and so on, if it seems that this will serve the interest of those who are entitled to zakat based on the equivalent value. Such as if the poor person is insane, or lacking in reason, or foolish, or immature. And your brothers, you got someone you know, that if you, for example, give them something like cash or something like that, they're going to go and absolutely squander the wealth. They don't know what to do with it. They're immature, they're foolish, they're insane, whatever it is here. He says, and there is the fee that he would squander the money. And you know it's better for him to give him the food or clothing of equivalent value rather than zakat in the form of cash. All of this is mentioned in the more correct scholarly opinion. And he was asked, what about buying food and other items such as blankets and clothes and giving them to the poor? Especially in cases where there is not enough food available at affordable prices in that country. He said there is no reason why that should not be done after ascertaining that they will be given to the Muslims. But the asal is brothers, the asal is that if you know that they're not anything like we just mentioned, they're fine, you should not give them it like that. You don't just go and buy them what you want or what you think they want or need, and give it to them. You understand that? That's an important point, Yani. Imagine, brothers, imagine, because really that zakat is their money, correct? That zakat is theirs when we're talking about paper currency, for example, Yani. Now, imagine now I asked you for $5,000 Australian. I told you, look, I'm going to pay it back, inshallah, next month. So I go, next month, what do I do? I come to you with a PlayStation, an Xbox, a Nintendo Switch, and a few games, and I give you that. Are you going to accept that? Yani, no. This is a debt that I have to give you back. I have to give you back. For it should be given in a way that you gave it to me and in a way that you can do what you want. Not what I think you want. Maybe you want this. Oh, but this will be good for you. But if there's a legitimate reason and you know that there's a legitimate Islamically justifiable reason, some of the ulama did give the fatawa that it is allowed. Zakat on previous years. Zakat on previous years, missed years. Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, or he was asked, a man was careless about paying zakat for five years. I think you asked the question, but, um, about the excuse, yeah? But you said that he died on that. But let us see now. A man was careless about paying zakat for five years, and now he's repenting. Does repentance free him of the obligation to pay zakat, he says? He was asked, sorry? And he now, okay, I owe five years, look, 
I wasn't the best Muslim. I become, inshallah, a repenting Muslim. I'm trying to be a good Muslim. So I repent now. Does that mean now that those five years, we just forget about him because I repented? He says, if that does not free him of the obligation, what's the solution? This wealth is more than 10,000 and he does not know how much it is now. So he replied, Zakat is an act of worship towards Allah Azza wa Jal. And it is the right of the poor. If a person withholds it, then he's violating two rights. The right of Allah and the right of the poor and others who are entitled to zakat. If he repents after five years, as he stated in the question, then he is absolved of the obligation to fulfill the right of Allah. So that's covered now, the right of Allah Azza wa Jal. But he has not fulfilled the right of the, those who are eligible, yani, who he owed pretty much. He says, Allah Azza wa Jal says, and it is he who accepts the repentance of his slaves and forgives sins. But the second right still remains, which is the right of those who are entitled to zakat, the poor and others. So he has to hand over the zakat to these people and perhaps he will attain the reward for zakat if his repentance is sound for the bounty of Allah is immense. With regard now to working out the amount of zakat, the sheikh says, he should estimate. And this is what you should do, brothers, if you ever come across or came across a time where you're not sure, man, I know I owed money when I was 16, for example. I know I owed money when I was 16. But how much money did I owe? I don't remember. I don't know. You should try your utmost best to estimate. And even if you give more, that is better. Some of the scholars, they actually said it's better to limit to that 2.5%. That's an opinion. But the correct opinion, if you want to give more, that's better. And that, inshallah, as we're going to see, will actually cover any gaps, any faults in the zakat. You know how on the day of resurrection, brothers, regarding the prayer, right? The prayer. For those who had faults in the obligatory prayers, inshallah, those sunan, they will fill up some of the shortcomings. And hopefully, inshallah, as the ulama, some said, the zakat, the sadaqah, and any extra zakat will fill up the shortcomings in some of that zakat. Fahiyah, he said, with regard to working out the amount of zakat, he should estimate the amount of zakat as best as he can. And Allah does not burden any soul beyond its scope. So if it is 10,000, for example, how much is the zakat for one year? 250. If the amount of zakat is 250, then he should pay 250 for each of the past years. In brackets, I'm saying that he missed. Unless in some of those years he had more than 10,000, in which case he should pay zakat or he should pay extra. If it was less in some years, then he should pay zakat. Any brothers now, imagine you know there was a, it was about 10 grand, right? For the last five years, every year, you owed about 10 grand after your estimation, approximately. So now what's 10 grand? What's the zakat payable on that 2.5%? $250, correct? So now how many years went by? Five years. Which means we should pay 1250 because we estimated that every year we owed approximately 250 But if we thought one of those five years, no, I was doing very good, Right? And I had 20 grand in one of those years, not 10. So I estimate that year at how much? 500. And likewise, one of those years, I didn't do it the best. I had 5,000. Let's just say it was above the threshold, for example. Let's just say that. So that is what? 125, correct? 
So this is how you got to estimate to the best of your ability. And likewise, like I said, for the older brothers now, who owe that money of their zakat, they can only estimate according to the best of their ability, according to that which they feel is sufficient, inshallah. And if they can and want to give more, that would be good, inshallah ta'ala, so that it can cover any of the shortcomings. What about zakat on those in debt, involved in haram? Imagine, brothers, now you know a brother that went and bought a house on haram money, with haram money. Sorry, opposite. Let's say he went, that's another mas'ala firstly. He went and bought a house, riba loan. So now isn't he is in debt, right? But the loan was haram anyway. The ulama, some of them, they said, look what Ibn Uthaymin was asked. If a person gets into a debt for a haram purpose, can we give him zakat? Can we give him zakat? Answer, he says, if he has repented, we may give him zakat, Otherwise, we may not, because in that case, that's helping in something haram. Imagine a brother goes, buys a house now, and then well, he's fine, he's happy about it. He's happy about it. So we go and we support him in the zakat, we're helping him in haram. But let us say someone did it. He came to his senses, he repented, and all of these things, then inshallah ta'ala, in this case, it is halal, inshallah ta'ala. Do you have to tell the recipient that it's zakat? This is actually a common question that gets asked. If I want to go now and give someone zakat money, do I have to tell them that it's zakat? The answer is no, you do not. It comes in Zadul Mustaqni' that if he gives it to someone who thinks is not entitled. Sorry, that's another one. If you came, this is a different fatwa. If you gave your zakat to someone whom you know is entitled to it with the intention of giving zakat, then your zakat is valid. And we hope that Allah will accept it from you. You do not have to tell the recipient that it is zakat. Is that clear? That's clear inshallah. You don't have to tell them that it's zakat. Nine, which is this, the mas'ala now. Giving zakat to someone then realizing they're rich. Giving zakat to someone then realizing. You know how there's the beggars overseas, right? Let us just say hypothetically, yani, that now you gave one of those beggars. And you know these guys in reality, they're loaded. For example, you didn't know that but. You only realize that after. Have you fulfilled your duty? Some of the ulama, they said no. Some of the ulama, they said no. Because zakat has to be given to her. One of the eight categories. Poor is included, exactly. So now, is this person poor? You come to find out he's not poor. So that is why some of the ulama said no. And other ulama, they said yes. If you legitimately try to see and you believe that they were, and you gave that, then insha'Allah ta'ala it is accepted. It comes in the zad, if he comes, if he gives it to someone who he thinks is not entitled to it, then it turns out that he is entitled to it, it is not regarded as zakat, except in the case of his giving it to a woe of person, thinking that he's poor. In this case, it is acceptable. In this case, it is acceptable. So for example, brothers, now, I most likely think that this person is not entitled to zakat. But I still give him zakat. No, you can't hear. It doesn't count, yani. But if you sincerely believe that yes, he is entitled, then in this case, it is inshallah, even if it comes and turns out that he's not. Another mas'ala is, do we follow the gold or silver? This is going to be quick inshallah, brothers. Do we follow the gold or silver? Many of the ulama, especially contemporaries, they said to follow the silver. Why? Because the silver in our day and age, brothers, is much less. Much less. So they said, one, it will push you to give more. It will push you to give more. And that way, even if it was meant to be gone off the gold, 
that will patch up any shortcomings and things like this, yani. And likewise, it's better for the poor and needy. Imagine, brothers, how many or how less people would give zakat if we were all to go off the gold. You know, the, 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 the zakat, brothers, on silver is less than a grand. Is less than a grand. So the zakat on the gold is more than, for example, four or five, yani, at least, right? So imagine how less people would give zakat if we were all to go off the gold. So that is why some of the ulama, they chose, especially, as I said, contemporaries, to go off the silver threshold, which is the 595 grams, as we said. Another mas'ala, giving zakat before its time. Can you give zakat before its time? The answer is yes, you can. It is permissible to give zakat before its time. As it comes in the fatwa, it is permissible to pay zakat before its due date. Because the Prophet ﷺ accepted two years of zakat in advance from Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib radiyallahu anhu. But we should remember here that the annual payment of zakat is worked out according to the Hijri calendar and not the Gregorian calendar. And they said the difference between them is well known. Just one point, brothers. If you want to give the zakat for a certain reason, if there is a legitimate reason that you have to or you think you should, you're allowed to, correct? But be careful that you calculate accordingly. Meaning if my zakat is in five months, yeah? Five months. And I say, I want to give my zakat now. So what am I doing really? I'm estimating what I'm going to have up to that five months, correct? So imagine now in two months, Allah bless me with a job that I'm making way more money. I, when that time comes now, I have to re-estimate and make sure that I don't owe more. If you owe less, alhamdulillah, it'll patch up and it's rewarding. But if you owe more, then you still owe zakat you didn't pay. Is that clear? You still owe zakat you didn't pay. Okay, the <laughs> this is like the fifth hour, I think, teaching straight. So, Yani, getting a bit of chest constriction. So, inshallah, we'll probably close it off in a few more questions. The brother asked about superannuation. What was one of the conditions we said earlier that you have, yeah? That's right, when you have full ownership. Full ownership, one of the meanings here as well is that you're able to تتصرف بالمال You're able to deal with it, take it, do what you want with it, etc. As for the superannuation, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, wallahu a'lam, I'm under the impression that it's 65 years old and then you're entitled to get that. Whatever the case is, the point is, if you're not able to get your money, you're not able to get your money, then right now you don't have to pay zakat on it. Right now you do not include that in the zakat. If you know, for example, now, the zakat, if you know now, the zakat, or if you know now, sorry, your zakat is due. And let us say you have thirty, forty thousand dollars in super, but they don't let you touch it till you're 65. It's like it's completely locked. You don't have full ownership here. So in this case, Yani, you're not obliged to pay zakat on it now. But what about when the time comes when you get it? Inshallah, that can be some of homework, Yani. For you guys, inshaAllah ta'ala. Can we claim the amount paid in zakat in tax return? Many of the ulama, they said, yani, it is allowed. And there is some words about that. Wallahu a'lam, yani. Uh, if you'd like, get in touch, inshaAllah, regarding that. And I can revise some of the fatawa of the ulama regarding that. Say that again, sorry. So let's say the one you started. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It went under? Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. I forgot about that, subhanAllah. Um, so for example, now, let us say we're on the 14th of Sha'ban, for example. Um, let us just go off the Gregorian calendar, just for the brothers, inshallah, for those who aren't familiar with the dates and the likes. 
Obviously, we stick to the lunar calendar, that's known, right? But just to make the point across, inshallah. The 24th of February now. Okay, let us say we have zero dollars. Just example. We literally have nothing. Tomorrow, we're blessed with a job that we get 10 grand from. Tomorrow. Isn't that above the threshold now? According to gold and silver, it is both of them. So now we start the date. Now we start the date. So let us say, so when's the date we said? The 25th of February now, because tomorrow we got the job. The 25th of February next year, even though we're going to go off the lunar, so it's going to be earlier than that, but the point is anyway, the 25th of February next year, let us say that's when it's meant to be the due date, right? Because our year started, our lunar year started. So now what happens is let us say in two months, something happened, I had to buy something, whatever it is, that you ended up getting to $200, you ended up going down. The whole threshold or the whole, sorry, date now, the hawl, gone. That's it. So now you're gone. That's it. You don't go now 25th of February because why? It went under. But what about now? When do you restart the date? When you go past the threshold again. When you go past the threshold again, you restart the date. Is that clear? That's an important matter as well, inshallah. Just one more point I wanted to mention. I know there's a few questions, um, inshallah, I don't think we're going to get through them all brothers because uh, i got to cut it inshallah very shortly. But I just wanted to mention one other point and that was, uh, slipped my mind now subhanAllah. One of the brothers was asking earlier. That's it, that's it, that was the one, so alhamdulillah you asked. Okay, now let us say for example, someone is giving, but do you, when you say sadaqah, they be careful of that. So is it sadaqah or is it zakat they're giving all year round? Okay, khalas. No, they don't have to, no, no. They don't have to. It's all meeting the same need. Yeah, it's all meeting the same need. But another mas'ala which is linked to that is if now brothers, we're, we're giving zakat throughout the year. Right? We're giving zakat throughout the year. Are you allowed to do this? Yes, you are allowed to do this. You are. But once again, you need to ensure that you're calculating correctly so you don't end up owing more. Is that clear? So you don't end up owing more. That's very important. Now, there are really two ways to do it. We're not going to get into the fine details, but pretty much either, because remember we're focusing on the cash goods and things like this now. We're not focusing on like this, uh, livestock and, and, and crops and grains and all these things. So now, <coughs> so now imagine, because we can either split it into, for example, yani, every payment individually, once it's reached the threshold and the likes, but then we'd have to give a separate calendar dates, brothers. And once again, many of the ulama, they said, this is difficult. It's very difficult to keep track. Imagine you're a business owner, and for example, you're dealing with the, for example, the, the, the cash. Every, for example, five days, you're getting a big payment. You're getting a big payment. So let us say you want to give each one, each one a separate date. You want to do it individually. Some of the ulama said, you can do this. But the problem is with this, brothers, why is it difficult? Because imagine this happens 15 times over. It's like you're going to literally have 15 different dates for next year. And you've got to make sure that you're observing each one, how up it goes, how down it goes, if it goes under the threshold, over the... But it's difficult like that. So some of the ulama, they would advise what? Just put it all together and do it at the end. So for example, now, if we're on the 14th of Sha'ban, 2000 yani, oh, obviously, <laughs> let's stick to Gregorian inshallah so we don't mix and match here. We're on 2024, 
uh, what's the date? The 24th, right? 24th. Okay. Let's say my nisab started today. So my pretty much khalas. My date starts today in the hawl, right? So now my hawl starts today, the one year. Khalas. Everything which I earn up to pretty much the 24th, 2024, 2025, sorry. Once again, I just want to repeat so no one misunderstands. We don't go off Gregorian. But I just so we can make it clear, inshallah, for the dates and the likes. 2025 comes, for example. Then what? Say I earn over, uh, my threshold started today, which means my year started today. Next week, I earn, I earn a grand. The week after, I save a grand. The week after, I spend a grand. Two months later, I earn five grand. Four months later, I lose six grand. But I'm still always above the threshold. Khalas, when it comes to that date on the 24th, 2025, you see what you have. And you calculate based on that the 2.5%. Yani zakat is actually not difficult, brothers. Yes, some brothers might have certain cases, which is some of the masail I actually put here, which is what? Which is got to do with shares, crypto, these kind of things. There are some delicate masail like this which can be discussed. But generally speaking, for most yani, zakat is actually fairly simple and it's fairly uh, easy. But that is just a very yani, simple way, if you'd like to say. I just wanted to point about the date as well, brothers. The date begins when you reach your threshold. When you reach the threshold, the date begins, correct? That's why Ramadan is not the date it begins, Yani. Some people, they extract their wealth in Ramadan only, their zakat. That's not the case. Your uh, zakat might have been in Muharram, brother. Your zakat might have been in Rabi' al-Awwal. Your zakat might have been in, or might be in Shawwal, for example. Ibn Uthameen rahimahullah ta'ala was asked, is zakat better in Ramadan, even though it's one of the pillars of Islam? He said, zakat like other good deeds is better when done at a time of virtue. But when zakat becomes obligatory and the year has passed, it becomes obligatory for a person to pay it. And he should not delay it until Ramadan. Because how do you know you're going to make it? You're going to live there and that. It's like saying, if I owe a prayer, I, I slept through Fajr. Do I tell myself, for example, that I'm going to wait till Ramadan to make up that prayer? Yani, how do I know I'm going to even get there and that? And it's not allowed anyway. But I'm just saying. So he says here, for a person to pay it, and he should not delay it until Ramadan. If the year is completed in Rajab, which is two months before Ramadan, then he should not delay it in Ramadan. Rather, he should pay it in Rajab, which was last month in the Islamic calendar. If the year is completed in Muharram, he should pay it in Muharram and not delay it in Ram until Ramadan. But if the year is completed in Ramadan, then he should pay it in Ramadan. He should pay it in Ramadan. Ibn Qudama, rahimahullah, he said, Zakat must be paid immediately. And it is not permissible to delay paying it when one is able to pay it. If there is no fee of harm, this is the view of a Shafi'i rahimahullah, which he says, and also when it came to the standing committee being asked about a man who possesses the threshold in Rajab, but he wants to delay it two months to pay it in zakat. He says, is it, he says or they replied, it is obligatory for you to pay zakat in Rajab in the year following the year in which you took possession of the nisab. But if you want to pay in Ramadan of the year in which you took possession of the nisab, paying it before the year has passed, that's permissible because now you're paying it in advance. So you're allowed to pay it in advance, no problem. That's not the point here. The point is, he says in the Sheikh as well, if there is a valid need for it to be brought forward. 
If there's a reason to pay it in advance, you pay it in advance. But delaying it, he says, until the Ramadan that comes after the year has passed and it has become due in Rajab is not permissible because it is obligatory to pay it as soon as it becomes due. Okay, last thing, brothers, I'm going to mention, inshallah. Uh, subhanallah. Last thing I'm going to mention is the zakat on the wealth of a minor and insane person. You need the zakat, they're just doing some work outside, so mind that, inshallah. Don't mind that, yani. He says zakat, or we said zakat on the wealth of a minor and an insane person. Ibn Qudama rahimahullah ta'ala said, Once it is established that zakat must be paid on the wealth of a minor or an insane person, then the guardian must pay it on their behalf from their wealth. The guardian must pay it. Imagine now there's a kid three years old, they inherit money. They inherit money. And the conditions are in place. He says, why? Because it's an obligatory zakat which must be paid like the zakat of a sane adult. The guardian acts in his stead when paying what he is obliged to pay. This is a duty that is required of the minor or insane person. So the guardian must perform on their behalf like spending on relatives. Likewise, the insane person, brothers. Imagine there's a brother. He was a hard worker. He was a hard worker. He saved up millions of dollars for years. And then something happened where he became insane. He became insane. Let us say he didn't pay zakat on the money ever. That zakat is still due. So even though he's insane, someone has to and the guardian should extract that from that wealth. And now where he says, in our view, zakat is required on the wealth of minors and the insane. And there is no difference of opinion on this point. The guardian must pay it from their wealth just as he pays it from their wealth compensation for any damage they may cause to the property of others. That makes sense. They damage something. Do we say, well, he's insane. We're not going to deal with it. Imagine now, for example, a kid goes and keys a car. He goes and keys someone's car. Do you go and say, don't worry about it. He's insane. We're not going to do anything about it. Khalas, leave it. No. He says... The guardian must pay it from their wealth just as he pays from their wealth compensation for any damage they may cause property or they may cause of property to the property of others, maintenance of relatives and other duties that they may be obligated to fulfill. If the guardian does not pay the zakat, then the child or insane person must pay zakat for past years after attaining puberty or after recovering. Isn't that that's important, brothers? Because if your parents had money for you that it was yours, or you had money yani, that from seven, eight years old, then you hit, you hit puberty at 14, 15, six, obviously 16, khalas, is it puberty 15 automatically, but you hit puberty then, or you remember at 20 that there were years that you didn't pay zakat for, you have to make up that zakat. He says, if the guardian does not pay the zakat, then the child or insane person must pay zakat for past years after attaining puberty or after recovering, meaning the insane person. Because this is an obligation upon their wealth. But the guardian is sinning if he delays it and what he has neglected cannot be, cannot be waived. As quickly, brothers, just literally a minute or two. Zakatul fitr. Zakatul fitr is a type of sadaqah, of course, a type of zakat, a type of charity that is obligatory. It is obligatory. The Prophet ﷺ made zakat al-fitr obligatory as a means of purifying. This is what Ibn Abbas said, radiallahu anhumah. Of purifying the fasting person from idle talk and foul language and to feed the poor. Whoever pays it before the prayer, it's an accepted zakat because you have to. You got to pay it before the prayer. And it's an accepted zakat. And whoever pays it after the prayer, it's just a kind of 
charity. And we know that the correct opinion, brothers, is Wallahu alam that Zakatul Fitr is compulsory. Because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said as Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu he said, he made the obligatory. He made the obligatory. And there is the consensus of the scholars that it is farm. This is what was mentioned yani, in the Mughni. When should Zakatul Fitr be paid? It should be paid or as they said, Zakatul Fitr becomes obligatory when the sun sets on the last day of Ramadan. Anyone who gets married, has a baby born to him or becomes Muslim before the sun sets on that day has to give Zakatul Fitr on behalf of himself and also his dependents. But if that happens after sunset, he does not have to give it, they said. Whoever dies after sunset on the night of the Fitr, Zakatul Fitr must be given on his behalf. This is what Imam Ahmad stated, rahimahullah. Also, when it comes to the minors, one should also give Zakatul Fitr on their behalf. And there's a bit to say about that, but I'm sure, inshallah, brothers, we're going to hear a lot about Zakatul Fitr. And as always, I strongly advise with the zakat questions, especially those which might be a bit you know, controversial or something like this, always go back to the seniors, inshallah, who have a lot of experiences with these matters. Discuss them with the mashayikh and the duat, and inshallah ta'ala, يعني, always make sure and ensure that you're asking the questions that need to be asked. Wallahi, brothers, zakat and falling short in zakat is not a short matter. It's not a small matter. If you don't ask the questions to someone, then believe me, you're going to end up falling into mistakes. Because it is easy to fall into mistakes, especially in our day and age, where there's so much you need to take into consideration. Barakallahu feekum for your attendance. Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.